What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, and this is episode 117, the season four finale, my favorite episode of the year, the 2021 NFL Draft Positional Preview. I'm going to break down every single position in this NFL Draft. This is one of my favorite drafts I've ever covered. It goes back to 2011, uh, 2018, 2009, my first one that I ever really like dove into. This one's right up there. Not exactly in talent, but just in terms of what I am excited about, who I'm excited for. Th- there are stars in this class. There is a lot of depth, too. And considering how little amount of players there are that have signed with agents. you know, Usually you have like 1,800 players signing with agents. This year there's sub-700 that have signed with agents. So we've got a small class, but a lot of a lot of players that I've checked out. I've watched a lot of tape. I've watched the highlights. I've watched lowlights. I've checked out the interviews. I've seen the mock drafts. I've seen other people break down these players. And I've put together my full ana- analysis. I'm really excited about this one. I've gotten into it. So uh, I'm not going to delay this any further because we got a lot, of get, uh, lot to get to. I'm going to break down every position. I'm going to give you a grade per position. Going to give you my top five players. Going to give you my favorite targets on day two and day three of that position. My sleeper, my bust prediction. Um, and then like I have a couple player comparisons that I'm going to sprinkle in there each. And then, of course, my 2021 All-Jake team. I know everyone's really excited about that. It's uh, where I really stake my reputation. Uh, a lot of bad picks, but good picks as well. So, um Really excited to get to that. So, uh, without further ado, let's dive right into it. I'm going to start with the quarterback position. Uh, overall, this quarterback position, it's a B plus this year for me, right? Um, there's a lot to like. Obviously, you have Trevor Lawrence, you have uh, um, who is like you know this absolute stud, but uh, you know up there with Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning in terms of like can't miss prospect. Uh, but there are some questions with the depth and. Uh, you know, I think some guys are getting pumped up a little bit. So, um, my top five at the position, number one is Trevor Lawrence, clearly. I think he's as can't miss as you can ever find at the quarterback position. People are going to try and nitpick things. And then when you realize, you know what, he just really has it all. He's a full package player. He's a clear consensus number one player in this draft, the number one pick. Um, I'm really, I mean, the Jags got to be absolutely stoked to be getting him. And, uh, yeah, there's not much else. Uh, my number two pick is Justin Fields. I really like Fields. I, I I have bought into the hype of these other quarterbacks, but I'm just not ready to give up on Justin Fields as the number two quarterback. He faced the tougher competition than the other guys. He went out there and, like, put a full-out blitz on Clemson twice and really, really performed well. Uh, and that's against Clemson, you know, and he dominated the Big Ten. He dominated basically every game he was in outside of um, the Alabama game to end his career. But, you know, like that's, you know, that's it's friggin' Alabama. So what are you going to expect? Um, I think he's a franchise quarterback. And frankly, you know, San Francisco, all this talk of them going up for Mac Jones. I look at these top three guys, and I think they didn't go up there for Mac Jones. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he has been stuck with quarterbacks he hasn't liked throughout his career, um, aside from Matt Ryan. Um, 
and I think he, this is his chance to get his guy. I don't think his guy is Mac Jones. I, I I don't think that for one second. Until they say it, until they say the San Francisco 49ers select Mac Jones, I don't think he's their guy. Um, and I'm not going to get that far into Mac Jones when we're talking about Justin Fields. Like He's got the accuracy. He's got great mobility. He's got great arm strength. And for the people that think he's a one-read quarterback, that is not true. He, I mean... Most of his really nice plays uh, in the college football playoffs were a second or a third read, at least. So uh, give him a little bit of credit. Don't just nitpick him because you need to nitpick him. Uh, number three is Zach Wilson. I think uh, two and three, you can switch a lot. I know Zach Wilson's probably going to be the Jets pick at number two over Justin Fields. And there's a ton to like with him. I think he's a little more boom bust than Fields is uh, because of, A, the level of play he had. And just how long he's been in our eyes, you know, like he's kind of like a fresher face. Whereas Justin Fields, we've been following since high school when he was on uh, QB1 and then, you know, was a high, you know, prospect to go to Georgia. Um, but with Wilson, you know, yes, he, he throws an absolute bomb. Uh, he has a zip on the ball that you really like and his mobility is awesome. Uh, I really do kind of have like a worry about there about like you know, the level of play and whether or not, like, you know, if he starts getting, like, crushed by defenses, if he's going to panic a little bit. There's a little out there that he's cocky and kind of an ass. Um, you, you know, hey, that happens. Like, like, maybe it's the Josh Rosen effect of just being, like, a blonde, like, rich kid. But I, um, I, I still wouldn't pass on him because I think he's a franchise quarterback. You just got to surround him with some stuff. And I think the Jets, they're loading up on some draft picks. Maybe they use some of them to move up and give him like a true number one wide receiver. And then, you know, Mims and Davis are like his secondary guys. Uh, maybe they go way up and they get Kyle Pitts. Like that would be huge. Uh, I've, I did a fix the Jets in my mock draft a couple weeks ago. And I think that's the way to go about it. Uh, but yeah, Zach Wilson, a lot to love. Uh, number three, uh, number four is Trey Lance. Uh, I think the Trey Lance hate about him being basically like raw is taken a little out of context right now. And I'm one of the people that like did that because um, I think the rawness is just how good he can be. But he's reading defenses. He's doing it all right now, and he's super athletic. Um, he's a really hard guy to tackle. He's a lot harder to tackle than Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. And his size, he's not exactly the size of Cam Newton at the same age, but he's similar, and he's faster than Cam. Um, and he's just been doing it for a while, which makes you really like his like experience. And I'd, I'd be very happy taking him in the top 10. Uh, so if there's a team that wants to jump up, it doesn't look like it's going to be Carolina because I think they're set with Sam Darnold. But Denver, uh, Washington, New England, uh, Chicago. I think Chicago really should just pay up and just and just do it. But we'll see. Um, I think uh, whoever gets Trey Lance, that might be like the key to this draft because we kind of have a feeling the top three picks and where the top three quarterbacks are going. It's at number four and where he's is he going? And I really do think it's going to go in that order of. Outside of Wilson and, and Fields, obviously. I think Wilson's going to field three, and then Lance will be that fourth quarterback in the, you know, maybe someone moves up to four, uh, but I don't think he goes any lower than eight, nine. I don't think he makes it to Denver at nine. Uh, and then finally, my fifth quarterback is Kyle Trask. Uh, 
it is not Mac Jones for me. I think Mac Jones had it very easy at Alabama, and his pro day looked like crap. His workouts looked like crap. And I know those aren't the things you really should judge him on, but I feel like if you're going to be taking a franchise quarterback, you need a guy that's going to go out there and work it for you and do it for you. And I really don't see that with Mac Jones. He's pretty good when he's targeting the line of scrimmage. Um, and outside of that, he's not very good. His balls are a little behind sometimes. He's just lucky to have a lot of really good receivers and pro NFL-ready running backs. So, like, it, it was kind of very easy for Mac Jones. And I know that's the case for a lot of these quarterbacks, but with Trevor Lawrence, you can see the difference. And Justin Fields, you can see the difference of these are guys, these are ballers that go and get it for you. And Mac Jones is kind of just a get-it-to-your-quarterback guy. Kyle Trask... I like him. I think he's. I think he's tough. I think he's got like some, you know, like yes, he's he's not. He's clearly not one of these top four guys. I think there's a pretty steep drop after Trey Lance, to like if Trey Lance is maybe the fifteenth, sixteenth best prospect, maybe twentieth at the low low side of this draft. I think Kyle Trask is like 70, 80, even close to a hundred. Like there's that big of a gap, you know, where. It's like, okay, if you're missing out on those top four, you might as well be drafting a developmental guy. Um, but I do like Kyle Trask. He is a baller. Um, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's the type that's like going to hold a chip on his shoulder. And I think uh, depending upon where he goes in the draft, he could be one of those guys that starts uh, you know, down the line. Um, for the day two guys, Trask and Mond are my two. You know, Mond out of Texas A&M where... If you're drafting a guy that you want to maybe sit behind a Ben Roethlisberger or a Tom Brady, and who knows what you can get. You know, Maybe you turn this third-round quarterback into your franchise guy because they both have the tools. Uh, they just haven't really, uh, they haven't really shown that they can do it on their own and that they're like you know the clear franchise guy. But Kellen Mond, MVP of the Senior Bowl, and that's usually a really good thing, or at least it is for your draft stock. My day three guys I like, I really like Jamie Newman out of UGA. Um, I was listening to, uh, oh man, I, 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 Panther Film Breakdown, maybe that's the podcast, um, and they were really gushing over Jamie Newman, and it made me like go back and rewatch him. There's just not a lot of tape on him, but the physical tools are there. He's really solid, and he's got some arm strength with him that's like, if, if you're willing to take Dwayne Haskins in the first round, I don't see why you're not willing to... to kind of take a shot on Jamie Newman. Um, it, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Jamie Newman, if you just take away their resumes, very similar players. Um, and then I really like Brady Davis out of Illinois State. Small school guy. But again, like a lot of fun to watch. Um, if guys like Tyler Henneke and Kyle Allen can win games in the NFL... Actually, we don't know if Tyler Henneke can. He's, you know, he came in just to lose. But, but if they, if those are guys that are rosterable and can, you know, be a game manager or some type of fill-in quarterback, I like Brady Davis, and he's going to be a sixth, seventh round pick. Um, in this draft, my sleeper is Kellen Mond. I really do think, like, you know, he played four years at AM. It's kind of funny. Why don't we know who Kellen Mond is yet? Like, isn't that weird that like we've seen so much of him and we still don't know if he's good or not? Um, but he's my sleeper because really no one's talking about him. Uh, people are talking up Mac Jones. People are talking up Kyle Trask. Um, and I could easily make Jamie Newman the sleeper, but I really just, 
Kellen Mond's a guy that it just wouldn't surprise me if he went to Tampa Bay in the third round and sat behind Tom Brady for two years and then took over and you're like watching all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah. Okay, like he could be Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. He's, you know, he's a, not the same runner that Kaepernick is, but uh, definitely the same dual threat type of guy that you're going to get. And uh, if you give him some weapons, I don't see why he can't perform well in the NFL. And there's just no talk about him right now. And that's what sleepers are, guys that you're not talking about. Um, my bust, it, yeah, obviously it's Mac Jones. I really just, I'm, I, I've said it before, just not a fan of a guy that like needs to be in because of, uh, or like he needs to be in a perfect situation. And that's not to say Mac Jones can't do well or won't do well. Maybe he goes to New England and, and Bill Belichick is like, oh, I got this. Or maybe he goes to Denver and he's got a ton of good players around him and they build him a good offensive line. And you're like, yeah, you know what? It's kind of worked out for Mac Jones. That's not going to surprise me. I just wouldn't be targeting him in the top 10 because if I'm targeting a quarterback in the top 10, it's a guy like Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes who, or Deshaun Watson who went 12th. But, you know, those type of guys where it's like they elevate the players around them. That's what I want for my quarterback. And as long as you protect them, they can do that for everybody. So, um, and I just don't see that with Mac Jones. I think... Uh, I have a feeling someone's going to take him expecting him to elevate the franchise and uh, that's not exactly like what it's going to be with him. Um, my favorite comparisons, Trevor Lawrence and Peyton Manning is just like a really good comparison at this point because you're like, it just to me feels like what are you actually going to criticize him on? Um, you could say Andrew Luck too like you know, and just kind of loop him in with that. So that's a clear comparison for me, but it's been done. Uh, Justin Fields, I called him Thick Watson like the last two and a half years, basically, ever since he said he was going to come to Ohio State. And there is a lot to say about that. Um, I think he has a little more zip on the ball than than Watson. He's got very nice touch. He's He reads the defense as well, and he's just like a nice scrambler. And the way he runs, I also feel like is Deshaun Watson-like. Um, if he was wearing number four, I think you'd see the similarities even more. Uh, but you know, Fields wears number one. Um, I, I do like that comparison, though. He does have like a little more in the trunk, like in his legs, uh, than Deshaun Watson has. So a little thick Watson. Uh, Zach Wilson, big Johnny to me. Yeah, he's big Johnny Manzo. I'm not gonna do a ton of comparisons for every position, by the way. But this is just one that I really want to make. He's big Johnny football. Uh, he, he's loud. He's in your face. He has headbands and eye black on. He writes on his headbands anytime, any team, any place. Um, he's, you know, he's kind of entitled. There are reports that, like, you know, he doesn't get along with everybody and that he's going to be kind of like a brat. And he does a lot of the throwing on the run, throwing off of one foot. Uh, but he's got he's got more strength than Johnny. He's a lot bigger than Johnny. Uh, he has more zip on the ball. Johnny Manziel, you know, I I feel like it was like a perfect storm of things to happen for him. And then when the NFL happened, it was a perfect storm of things against him where it was like you have to do things on your, your own. I think Zach Wilson's going to be able to be more successful than Johnny Manziel. Uh, but my favorite comparison is definitely the Trey Lance one. He's Cam Newton Jr., but with starter experience, right? And, that me and I was kind of saying that before, right? He's... Similar size, similar frame. He's a little bit smaller than Cam, but he runs very similarly. Uh, he's going to be a hard tackle. He's always falling forward, 
and he can just outrun linebackers and, and D linemen where it's like, oh shit, like if you don't get a DB to tackle him and then he runs over the DB and gets an extra two, three yards, like I see that same thing out of Trey Lance. But he's got that starter experience where he wasn't, you know, bouncing around uh, on like benches and wasn't like, um, you know, he he wasn't, excuse me, like, you know, going between teams and going D3 and stuff like that. Cam Newton was a one-year wonder, whereas Trey Lance, like, he's a guy that like he called the defense, he called out the defense at the line of scrimmage. He was the guy calling plays in the huddle and going through reads, uh, whereas Cam Newton was kind of like a we're going to let the athleticism take control and we'll learn things at the NFL level. I think Trey Lance is a little farther than Cam Newton in that uh, regards. So I'm not, uh, I was a little, uh, I let that aspect of me uh, cloud my judgment of Justin Herbert last year. I'm not going to let it do me uh, wrong the way on, on Trey Lance that I was wrong on Herbert. Uh, And with Herbert in my defense, I was judging him based on what you saw. He was thrown to his first read like every time. Um, so you don't know if he can do the double reads and or the second and third reads like that. Uh, turns out he can, and he was rookie of the year by a, a pretty wide margin. All right, and my all Jake quarterback is Justin Fields. I'm just I don't want to bet against him, and right now a lot of people are. I think Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one in this class, but if we're talking all Jake team, are guys that I'm willing to bet on, and that like would shock me if they're bad. I would be shocked if Justin Fields is bad, especially since. He's not going to go to the Jaguars, the Jets. He's going to be either a 49er or uh, maybe a Denver Bronco or a New England Patriot. Maybe maybe Washington trades up for him. I, I kind of like that. Uh, but I think San Francisco makes the move with him, and I think he's going to have a very, very successful career where he's in the playoffs pretty early. Okay. Um, and that position I gave a B plus, the quarterback position, mainly because it's top-heavy, but after four, there's not a lot to like. Um, it's basically developmental guys and backups uh, after the four. Um, but still, B+, plus, pretty good grade uh, because those guys are that good. Okay, running back position. I've given this a C-. minus. I'm not thrilled with the running backs in this class. There's not a lot of guys that you know, you're willing to take a top flyer on. And we'll get into that right now. So number one is another Clemson Tiger, Travis Etienne. Uh, look. Travis Etienne, he is a bullet coming out of the backfield, and he doesn't get nearly enough credit because he's always been overshadowed by Lawrence and the wide receivers there at Clemson. But everyone knows his name. Everyone knows he's really good. Um, He's a guy that he's going to probably be a first-round pick, back half of the first round. He's going to go to a team like the Steelers or I actually I have a pick I'm going to say a little bit later, um, but he's going to go to a team that's like already built to be pretty good and just kind of needs that running back to kind of put things together. And I think ETN is the one guy in this draft that I would do that for um, because he's just completely, you know, uh, like really just a full prospect at this point. Like, excuse me, I'm changing the music on in the background. I just want to make sure I got the right tunes as I'm playing. Um Number two for me is Najee Harris uh, of Alabama. This, you know, not really shaking up a lot. As much as I would like to, uh, you know, pick one of these North Carolina guys or Kenny Gainwell or Trey Sermon, uh, it's it's just you know it doesn't make sense to pick against Harris. Uh, he's 
very well put together he actually reads the defense better he's a very patient runner which i was like a little surprised to see when i was watching his film because i kind of thought he was just a north south guy but he really does read the defense well and if it weren't for etn's acceleration and uh catch like ability i would put harris number one in this class number three for me is kenneth gainwell though i really like gainwell out of memphis um He's got a lot less tread on the tires than those top two guys who are well over 600 career carries and have plenty of receptions. Gainwell, he's like under 300 in, in that. So he's got a, like basically another season of football in him at the pros, you know, if you want to go by carries, if that matters to you. Gainwell. He, when you watch him, you don't realize like when he's a, like when he's lining up at receiver, you don't realize he's a running back. Like he actually plays like a pretty good wide receiver, like an NFL draftable wide receiver. And then as a running back, he just shoots out of the backfield like he was shot out of a cannon, and really does like he is a game breaker and a playmaker. So I like Kenneth Gainwell a lot. Um, I don't think he's like a first round guy, but I, I do like him. Uh, next up is uh, one of the UNC running backs. I'm going with Javante Williams. Uh, nose for the end zone. Big back. Hard to tackle. If he runs a little bit lower, I think he'd be even better. But he kind of runs a little upright sometimes. Um, I just like He has a, a pretty good game altogether. Some wear and tear on the tires, like Michael Carter out of UNC as well. Like They were used a lot. But um, I, I think he's going to be a clear starter in the NFL uh, one of those guys where it's like, hey, you take this day two pick where you don't really depend on him to be your number one option, but he'll be a good starter in the NFL. And my number five is Michael Carter, also out of UNC. Uh, it, in I had him higher than Williams for a while on this uh, on this board, but you know it just it didn't feel right. Like Javante Williams, I then watched this tape again and I was like, yeah, he's just like a harder guy to tackle. Uh, when it, when you get your hands on him, like he's running you over a little more. Whereas Carter, you know, he's depending on his jukes, depending upon his like slipperiness and you know, maybe the ACC is not going to tackle as well as the NFL will. So I could, if I were to take one of those running backs to be my lead guy, I'm going with Williams but if you want to change a pace back, Michael Carter is probably the better choice there. So, um, the day two guys uh, clearly, uh, I think Harris and Etienne are are day one guys. Gainwell, Williams, and Carter are I think are all day two guys. You can get them in round two, possibly round three. And then the day three guys, you know, I really like Trey Sermon. I don't understand why he's not getting as much love. Um, I think he was just really getting things going at Ohio State when he got hurt. Uh, he put up a 300-yard game against Northwestern. And if you watch that, like, Northwestern's got pros on that defense. And he was running all over them and was just – his acceleration was better than I had seen it all year at Ohio State, even though it was a short season. So there's a lot to like with Trey Sermon, and I think he's going to make someone really happy in round four that you're like, I was able to plug all my other team needs on day one and two, and we could use kind of a fresh legs at running back. I don't know. That's that's the type of guy that's like, wow, you know what? He could be a long-term starter and yard getter for you. Uh, also on day three, I really like Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. And Elijah Mitchell out of uh, Louisiana. 
And you, you know what? It's not a very deep running back class. There's not many guys I like, but those are guys I think you can get in round five, and uh, you know they're going to be rotational guys at, at the position. Uh, my sleeper is Michael Carter. I think uh, it's just it's fitting to take the second of the UNC running backs for me. Um, I I look at him and uh, you know I see a guy that it's like he does everything you want in the NFL. He he is a he's a nice playmaker. He has a he's a good receiver. He's a good like between the tackles runner. He just unfortunately had to split a lot of time uh, with Javante Williams. So. You know, you didn't really get to see him with starters load, but I think if you give him the opportunity, you're going to say, wow, you know, he really is a, like, you know, fantasy football, like, good running back and a guy that you're going to be able to lean on. And I can see him clearly being a sleeper. Uh, and I, I, and just nobody's talking about him right now. I was close to picking Trey Sermon to be the... Uh, the sleeper pick, but a lot of people know him. He's had a lot of tread on his tires. I don't think it would surprise anyone if he were really good, but Michael Carter, I think, is a guy that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, my bust pick, should be no surprise, we got another Alabama uh, <laughs> Alabama uh, running back, Najee Harris. And, you know, We had Mac Jones, his quarterback, was my bust pick as well. Um, again, I think it just comes down to if someone's expecting him to be more than he is, similar with Mac Jones, uh, if Arizona takes him and is like, okay, you are going to be like the guy for us. You are going to be, you know, like, like, I mean, you can be the guy, but are you going to be carrying the entire load? Are you going to be Nick Chubb and uh, Dalvin Cook and basically all the, like, the premier guys no, I don't think he's going to be that. But if he's going to be a guy that you can start at the NFL level, yes. Um, I just have seen it before with Alabama backs where like you expect uh, Trent Richardson to be the guy and it doesn't end up happening. So wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me uh, in the slightest if that were the case here. Um, my, my comparisons, I, I got a few that I like here. Uh, Number one, Michael Carter. I, this shouldn't surprise anyone if you know I picked him to be in my top five. I have him as a you know my sleeper pick. So obviously I like him, and he's similar to a running back that I like, Duke Johnson. Uh, Duke Johnson coming out of college. You know he. I mean everyone always thought like oh he never got a good shot. Like he was always a guy that like you needed to split carries with. And I feel like that was such an unfair thing to say about Duke Johnson because he has the most carries in Miami history. So like, you know, and that's a, a team, that's a school that had Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis, Frank Gore, and the most carries ever by a Miami running back is Duke Johnson. So, you know, just goes to show, like, I think he got this unfair label. And I think Michael Carter's going to get that because he's, you know, he, he's the receiving option and not the goal line guy out of UNC. I know he. it's not like he was only ever in for passing downs. I know that's not true. But I just see that as something where it's like, you know, it's just funny how the two are getting labeled as that. And they have a lot of similarities. There are a lot of things that you like about Duke Johnson and Michael Carter that are the same. You know, their route running, their receiving ability, their screens. Uh, this is all things that I could totally see being like, you know, like their game. Um, another one, Javante Williams. Uh, I, I love this comparison. 
is like a young, fresh Latavius Murray, right? When I watch him, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's like, he looks like a beast up top, but he runs a little too high. But when he puts his shoulder low and gets low and like he can run you over. And I just uh, really like that about Javante Williams and Laddie Murray. You know, he's never really been the starting running back. He's backed up some really good guys. He's um, been like a rotational running back, but he's still been able to be like a three-yard guy at least for a good amount of time in his career. And I see that with Javante Williams, a goal line guy that can also receive, can run over some guys. And even when he loses a step, he's going to be a big guy that like you can still give the ball to. Okay, next comparison I like. Um, you know, when I watch uh, Najee Harris, I didn't know what I was going to think like in terms of what running back comparison. Like a lot of eyes are clearly going to go to Alabama when you're wearing the Alabama helmet. But watching him run behind his line and kind of wait on his linemen, it reminded me a lot of Le'Veon Bell. And I think he, you know, tr- like tries to rely on his explosiveness and his athleticism more than Le'Veon Bell ever did. You know, Bell was always the most patient running back like I've ever seen. But um, I see a lot of that in Harris. And for a guy that's going to be, you know, that's in college, you really don't see patience in running backs in college a lot. And I see that with Harris. So as a guy, even though I picked him to be my my bust, you know. I, it's hard to pick a bust because I don't see a lot of running backs being taken high. Um, even though I picked him as my bust candidate at the running back position, I do see a lot that I really like in him. And if he could like continue to harness his like uh, patience and his like running behind of his line and his cutting, like you're going to have a really nice running back. Um, however, if he's too, if he tries to get cute and he's too patient and he's cutting back way too often, uh, that's, that's going to be a type of thing that, like, okay, that could really derail his uh, career. So, um, so yeah, Najee Harris, I see a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. Um, and then my final comparison, I really like this one. Travis Etienne, I think he's, like, the super soldier serum of Alvin Kamara, right? Like, when when you see his game, and it mimics a lot of Alvin what Kamara does. Like he's does a really good job of receiving and not getting tackled, uh, using like wiggle and just always like you know getting to that like zero to sixty really fast. And everything that Kamara does that you like, I see in Travis Etienne. I like, but he's even more built. He's stronger. He gets to to you know his like top gear faster, like and quicker. And he is like the super soldier version. Even just looking at him, you're like. That's a guy. That's your dude. Like that's who I want. So if you know, if you're like, if you're New Orleans Saints and Etienne is on the board for you at where are they? Twenty eighth, twenty seventh that they pick. I think they're twenty eighth that they pick. If you're the Saints and you're picking there and Etienne's on the board, you're like, hey, you know what? Why not? You know, like go for it and uh, take him. And well, I mean, you know, it, financially they're not going to do that. Because they had just paid Kamara. But if this was one of those situations where they didn't pay Kamara, I'd be like, you're upgrading. You're upgrading Alvin Kamara right now. So um, I really like ETN for that reason. And I think that's my favorite uh, comparison so far. Uh, The all-Jake running back is going to be Trey Sermon. Another Ohio State guy. uh, Might be my last Ohio State guy for a while. Um, I just think, you know what? 
he's going to be very clearly a starting running back if he gets the opportunity because I really like his burst. I really like his acceleration. And I think he was just getting started at Ohio State. But unfortunately for him, uh, they had a very short season and he got hurt in the national title game where I really thought he was the X factor for the Buckeyes. I thought like if they wanted to win, they were going to have to lean on him and he was going to have to put up a performance that was similar to Northwestern. But you look at how he ended his career at Ohio State, it was very similar to the way that Ezekiel Elliott was really bursting onto the scene. And I mean, you know, Zeke Elliott had more, uh, you know, more of a career at Ohio State. But um, you know what? I just think there's a, a lot that you're going to like uh, with Trey Sermon in the NFL. And I think uh, I think that's really the case So with him. So, um, okay. So moving on to tight end, I give this class a C. Um, I There's just, it's... I think it's below average. I, I don't think there's really much to like. There's not a lot of guys here that are going to be starters in the NFL. There's maybe like a couple. Um, but I'm willing to... So like I originally wanted to give this class like a D. But I, I just look at, you know what? The number one guy is that good. And Kyle Pitts is amazing. Like he is... He's, he would be my number one wide receiver. He would be, you know, um, hold on. Sorry. All right, guys, I was a little distracted. I'm watching the Indians implode, and I don't want to talk about baseball on the podcast uh, because this is, like, my one that, you know, I get really excited about, I get really into. Um, so I'm going to keep it, you know, but it's just, it's hard, you know. You're, you're a Tribe fan, and you're watching them, like, and I just, like, they throw me off sometimes. They really piss me off. So Kyle Pitts, he's the number one tight end in this class. It's, like, you know he's he's got the biggest lead over any second best player at any position. Um, he, he's immediately going to be a complete game changer. And for anyone that's looking to add a wide receiver or any offensive playmaker in this draft, I think Kyle Pitts has to be like the first one you would look at. Like that's just that's just to me. Like I look at you're like okay, um, if we're gonna be drafting. A wide receiver, right? If you're Miami and you're looking at wide receivers, you should be looking at Pitts first because he just has more of a matchup nightmare like ability. Uh, same with the Giants. Same with like I don't think he's gonna be there for uh, the Cowboys who don't need a receiver or a running back, but he would like complete the Cowboy offense. Um, I don't. There are a lot of like teams that I think Atlanta can take him at four. I think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the Jets could take him at two before they traded Darnold. I wouldn't have done that. But, um, you know, it's just one of those – he's one of those players that I'm like, he is so clearly head and heels above, like, in this class. Like, for me, he's one of the top two players in the class. He's right behind Trevor Lawrence. He's probably my favorite player to watch in this class. And I just – I don't see the downside with taking him, especially in a league where, you know, tight ends are – now being really relied upon as a receiver and he's a guy that he's going to be out there he's basically a receiver in a tight end's body um it won't surprise me at all when like he's a hall of famer because he's just that good and he's getting 10 catches you know in a regular game because like nobody can cover him because they're putting linebackers on him and you're like how the hell is a linebacker going to cover a wide receiver like this so I- i'm very 
very much in favor of Kyle Pitts. I think, um, I, I mean, I, I, he's tremendous. Uh, number two tight end in this class is uh, Pat Frymouth from Penn State. Uh it's funny to talk about Kyle Pitts and then go from, you know, go from him to like anyone else in this class. But Fryermuth, like, you know, I, I like him as a potential starting tight end. He has good blocking and he is a nice receiver. Uh, he can make like a nice contested catch and he has pretty good like, uh, like verticality when he's like going up to be a red zone target. So I do like him in that regards. I don't see him as a day one guy, but if, uh, if you're looking for like to improve your tight end situation and you want like a, a really good backup and possible starter, um, I think, uh, I think he's your guy, uh, in, in round two. So, uh, he's, he's a nice complimentary tight end that could turn into a starter. Uh, but, you know, where he lacks in athleticism like some of these other guys have, he is, you know, a little more proven and he has shown that, like, yeah, he's, uh, like, already a player. Uh, number three is Brevin Jordan out of Miami. Miami, you know, for a while there was tight end you. And uh, Jordan is a bit of a playmaker, pretty athletic, not not as athletic as, like, David Njoku or Kellen Winslow or some of the other tight, like, Shockey coming out of... Uh, well, maybe he's more athletic than Shockey, but at the time, Shockey was very athletic. Um, so maybe he's not like an uber athlete coming out of Miami, but a lot of the same things you like in a tight end that's going to move all over the field. I like him as my number three. Number four, Tommy Tremble at Notre Dame. Tough player. Uh, a lot of people like forgot he was a tight end because he wore that number 24 and really threw people off because of his size and that he was, you know, playing out of the backfield sometimes. He was, you know, blocking. He was over the middle making nice catches. Like, he's a kind of do-it-all type player that if you're needing a kind of like a jump start on your team, if you are Houston, if you are Jacksonville, and you can just use more talent on the offensive side of the football and could use like a backup tight end that kind of, you know, plays out of the backfield, can block, can catch, uh, is tough, hard-nosed player. Tommy Tremble, he's your type of guy. Uh, he's not a special teamer. He's like, he is an actual offensive weapon uh, still at the number four tight end. And then number five, uh, and I think there's a pretty far drop after number five, but um, Hunter Long out of Boston College. Uh, everything I like about Pat Fryermuth, I also like about Long. I think he's uh, he's just like a little less proven, but similar game. Uh, definitely a number two tight end at the least. And yeah, I, I, I like Hunter Long a lot. I think uh, if you're drafting in that like 90 range, he's a type of guy that he will be around there. Uh, my day two guys, basically everybody that I just mentioned, that's not Kyle Pitts. I said I, Kyle Pitts is going top seven, top eight. Uh, you know, one, one of my friends, uh, Brennan Sikowski on, on Twitter, you know, he said like, he'll be there at 15. And I, I mean, Brennan, you are way wrong. And I can't wait to remind you of that on draft night. Um, but outside of that, those, all those other guys, they'll be there on day two and they should be the only guys going on day two. Uh, and then day three, I like two guys. I like Trey McKitty, um, out of Georgia. And then I also like Quentin Morse out of Bowling Green. Um, they're both, you know, hey, this is what you're getting. When you're getting day three tight ends, you're getting guys are going to be kind of end of the roster, bottom of the roster kind of guys that 
They have a lot of like potential athleticism, but they haven't put it all together. Tight ends are really tough position to adjust to from college to pros. So you're not going to get immediate players out of them. But if you're taking a chance on a guy, those are two guys that have the athleticism and the receiving ability and breakaway ability that I would really like that I would want to like check out. Um, you know, it's the reason I'm a big fan of David Njoku. I look for guys that hold those same type of traits. Njoku being like, you know, an uber athlete of that sort though. Um, so my sleeper is Quentin Morris out of uh, Bowling Green. I, I, I really like him. I, I know this is like taboo to say, but there are times like, you know, you watch him. Uh, he led the team in receiving last year. It was a short season, but, you know, he uh, there was a lot to like about everything he did. He played really well against Notre Dame. And I, I checked out an interview on the Draft Network where they were, you know, interviewing Quentin Morris. And he had the best answer of anyone that was like, you know, because if you're one of these small school guys, you get this question all the time. You say like, you know, you ask why um, should someone take a chance on you being a small school guy when there's guys, there's, you know, 10 of you at the bigger schools. And he's like, he had a great answer. He said he went up and he played his best games and hang in there when he was playing the top competition. And he's right. When he went against Notre Dame, he was moving the chains. He was like a thorn in their side. And I remember watching that game, not knowing who he was and thinking like, God, how is Bowling Green moving the ball against him? But this guy, Quentin Morris, he's a player. He's got it. And I, I would be, uh, I'd be a big fan of, of drafting him. Uh, if the Browns were to add Quentin Morris at some point on day three, I just think uh, I wouldn't sleep on him. And I know this is a bad thing to say. You never want to like compare players to Hall of Famers. But when you watch him, there's a lot of Antonio Gates in his game. And like, calm down. I'm not saying he's Antonio Gates. I'm saying you watch him and he plays the same way of like finding that open soft spot, not beating everybody with his speed, but finding the, like the area on the defense to get open catch the ball and then, you know, kind of like keep going forward and pick up those extra yards. Uh, there's a lot to like in, in that. Uh, if you're scared of comparing them to a hall of famer and you want, you know, kind of just like a, uh, um, you know, like a, a current guy that makes you a little more comfortable, then I'll point to a guy like John U. Smith. Um, uh, you know, where like you could see him lining up at the full pack position, tight end, uh, or just, you know, a guy that if you aren't careful, he can get like a 50 yard touchdown on you because he's got the athleticism to do it and outrun some guys. So, um, it, you know, if you, if you like that comparison, yeah, that kind of works too. Um, the bust I would say is Fryermuth. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's Kyle Pitts. I know he's going to be drafted the highest, and he's going to be a top ten tight end, and or I mean, a top ten pick at tight end. And usually, those are the guys that you're like, "Ooh, there's some bust potential there." But I just really don't see it with uh, Kyle Pitts. If it doesn't work out for Kyle Pitts, it's because he was broken, not bust, and not he busted. It was because he was broken. Um, a phrase that the guys over at the Draft Network. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay Trey, Trevor Sikama loves to point out, and I, I think it's great because there are a lot of times where you're like, okay, is this player, is he a bust or was he like broken? Did it not work out because of like, you know, the situation he was in? And with Kyle Pitts, I really think it's going to be no matter what, he works out or somebody didn't use him right and whatever. 
But with Pat Fryermuth, he's going to be the number two tight end. So is somebody that's desperate to add a tight end going to add him in the 20s and expect him to be kind of like a game changer? Uh, if that's the case, that's a problem, and he's not that guy. He's going to be a backup tight end, your number two tight end on a, on a team that uses a second tight end a lot. And, uh, hey, look, we'll see, but um, if he's put in that position where, like, you want him to be more than he is, sorry, it's that's that's not who he is. Um, also, like, yeah, I mean, to... Starting tight ends, you're expecting to be super athletic in these days, you know, with David Njoku's or the even Evan Ingram's, uh, you know, uh, or Darren Waller's, of course. You expect these tight ends to be like game breakers, and the days of the slow, lumbering tight ends are kind of going away. Um, my my favorite comparison is clearly like Pitts is like Division One Darren Waller. He's the SEC Darren Waller. Um, if, if Darren Waller was what he was now, you know, and, and I don't know, how old is he? 25, 26 years old. Um, if he were to play in the SEC right now, that's what Kyle Pitts is. Just a guy that you're like, oh my God, how the hell do I cover this guy? Like, he's basically a wide receiver, but he's in the body of Calvin Johnson. And this is going to be a nightmare all day. Um, that's what Kyle Pitts is. That's what Darren Waller is right now in the NFL. Uh, Kyle Pitts, he's got a lot of wide receiver in his game. His routes are incredible. His speed, his size, it's all just like, there's nothing to nitpick. It's all awesome. Uh, and he's clearly my pick for the all-Jake team, joining uh, Justin Fields and Trey Sermon, because, uh, I mean, I get pumped about tight ends, and he's he's awesome. All right. The wide receiver class, I, I mean, I could go on for days talking wide receiver. Um, this class is special, and I'm going to try to make this short, even though this is the one class I really want to talk about the most. Um, number one, I, I, I give this class an A. I think it's got top-tier elite talent in the top ten. They've got a bunch of guys that can go round one and be impact guys. There's going to be plenty of day two guys. And then, of course, there's a lot of depth. I would take 30 wide receivers in this draft. So you're going to get guys in any round that you'll love. Um, my number one is Jamar Chase. He's been talked about ad nauseum at this point. Um, had he played this year, he would have put up similar stuff to um, that you saw out of Devonta Smith. Uh, maybe, he, maybe he wouldn't have put up the same numbers, but his 2019 was pretty damn similar, and he was just a, a freshman at the time. Or, yeah, he was a redshirt freshman, right? Yeah, so um, I think, I mean, I think he's everything you want in number one wide receiver. Uh, he, I mean, he's not as big as his listed size was at LSU, but uh, he's everything you want in a number one wide receiver. I'd be very happy taking him top five. Uh, number two is Jalen Waddle would be the number one wide receiver in a lot of classes. I think... Uh, I think he's got like that wiggle that everyone likes. Funny to say Waddle's got the wiggle, but he's got that wiggle that like, you know, separation where, you know, you have him um, uh, at the line of scrimmage. He, he'll he'll be hard to get your hands on and he can burn you deep. So he can really bring it at whatever you need at the wide receiver position. And I think, you know, his numbers would have been better had he not been. Uh, behind, you know, Devonta Smith and uh, Henry Ruggs and uh, uh, whatchamacallit, 
uh, who was the the one Jerry Judy. You know, he's part of a, an incredible wide receiver quartet at Alabama, but uh, he'll be a number one wide receiver. He's the, the second one uh, in this class. Um, my number three, this is where I get a little wacky, all right? And uh, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Uh, the Bateman. Uh, I love Ra- Rashad Bateman, I and uh, I think Browns fans, every Browns fan loves Rashad Bateman. He is... He's a burner. He's a physical route runner. He makes spectacular catches look normal and easy. Uh, I'm going to get to his player comparison because I'm really excited about it, even though I think it's getting ahead of myself, but I don't care. Um, but he's my number three, um, and, and I'll, I'll get more into him later. Number four, another crazy pick is Elijah Moore. He's one of my favorite players in this class. His footwork and his route running and and like burst and acceleration, I think is just such an insane combo that like he's NFL ready right now. He's just a little small, and uh, I think we're seeing more and more in the NFL that size doesn't matter if you can get open and if and if you can do it every play. And number five, I have is Devonta Smith out of Bama. Look, I, I mean he's great. Everyone saw his season they had last year. He was a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. So clearly he's got it. But um, I, I just, I, there are things I like about the other guys a little bit more, whereas I could see them being number one wide receivers. Whereas Devonta Smith, I see him being a like wild card game changing number two wide receiver. Uh, honorable mention, I have to say uh, Terrace Marshall out of LSU just because. I really do see him being a he's another first rounder. I look at those five guys as being first rounders and I think Terrace Marshall is going to be a first rounder as well. And if you're drafting in the 20s and you miss out on those five but you get Marshall, uh great consolidation prize because he's he's better than most sixth wide receivers in the class. Um he's big, he's long, strong. Uh, if if you're looking for a complimentary number two wide receiver, he's going to be like a huge problem. Um, the day two guys. So Elijah Moore might make it to day two. I think I'm just really hot on him, and he's actually a guy that's going to be drafted in the 30s and 40s. Um, Rondale Moore being another one out of Purdue. You know, if you want that shifty uh, gadget type wide receiver, he's a, he's your guy. Kadarius Tony, everyone loves him. I, I'm, uh, you know, I think Kadarius Tony's really good too. He's a bigger, more physical Rondell Moore, and uh, did it in the SEC. I uh, does does really good zero to sixty. His acceleration, I really like. Um, one of my favorites, Deami Brown, and uh, I mean, talk about like a double move guy. If you want someone who's going to blow the roof off of your offense and get open downfield and open things up for your uh, guys underneath. I think De'Ami Brown is really nice, uh, really solid uh, uh, option if you're going to go that route. Uh, other guys on day three, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown out of USC, not getting a lot of talk, but he is the type that he could be a number one wide receiver in this class. So if you have to go uh, different positions early, but you have a chance to draft like St. Brown in the third round, he's a guy that he might be able to start for you. I I, I like him. Uh, Tylon Wallace out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he's on the older side of these wide receivers. I know that matters for the Browns, so I haven't looked at him as much, but uh, 
really like his deep ball. Like he, he when he does a jump ball, he kind of reminds me of Mike Evans. Um, just in the jump ball category, everything else isn't really like Mike Evans, but uh, I like him a lot. I think he's uh, he's going to be, you know, a, a very successful wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, day three guys that I really like because there's a lot of day three guys, but here are the ones I really like. Um, Isaiah McCoy out of Kent State. Uh, not a lot of film on him, and it looks weird when he's wearing that number 23, but uh, huge, big guy, physical receiver, and can run past anybody. Uh, just needs a little, you know, I mean, he was at Kent State, so uh, this is, you know, this is a sixth, seventh round pick, though, so you're not expecting him to step in and be your starter day one. I really like Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. If he had better quarterback play, at Iowa, I think his numbers would have been better. Uh, he is, he's got a really smooth game. Jalen Darden is... I'll get more into Darden later because I'm a big fan of his. Uh, but if you're looking for a speedster, another guy that can like you know kind of uh, uh, break out over the top for you. Uh, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston. Another one. Speed, a little smaller, but uh, really can get away from everybody. Uh, Jonathan Adams Jr. from Arkansas State is like the he's got the body in the class. He is like the the Greek god of the wide receivers in this class. Uh, he's just you know not exactly you know as polished as some of these other guys are, especially when it comes to running routes. Uh, Demerick Felton out of UCLA. He's another gadgety type guy. If you're looking for that type of guy, that's your round you know your day three. Target uh, should be Felton out of UCLA. TJ Vasher out of Texas Tech, another one. Very big, big uh, receiver. If you need something with size, a goal line presence, he's your guy. Um, and then Shy Smith, Cade uh, Johnson. There are plenty of guys that I really like. Uh, Wap Fillier, a lot of day three guys to like here. If you want to double dip at wide receiver and then grab one of these guys later, or if you're just like, you know, wide receiver is not really a big need for us this year, but we could possibly lose our starters and then we need guys for next year. This is where I think you should attack it. Okay, so uh, lots of guys I like in this class. Day two, day one, day three. Uh, my sleeper, it's really hard to pick a sleeper in this class, if I'm being honest, just because like there's just so many to like. But I really like Jalen Darden. I think uh, I think people are now just starting to talk about how North Texas, but uh, you know he is one of the fastest players in this draft, and he just like if you're going to be looking to Kansas City teams uh, and really just cover the whole field with offensive playmakers, I think Darden is your guy. So he's one of my picks for sleeper. Um, Elijah Moore is a sleeper in terms of. I think he's a first-round talent, but he's not getting first-round love. Uh, I I love his route running. I love his footwork. I think it's really hard to get your hands on him. And as a wide receiver, that's like a, a really good quality to have. Um, and and then uh, I think Deami Brown is another sleeper where it's like, you know, he might be your tenth, eleventh, twelfth best wide receiver in this class. But if he's given a starting position, he's going to be a thousand yard receiver. And you're going to say, like, wow, why didn't he get the same love? Like, you know, Allen Robinson was a day two guy, and Michael Thomas was a day two guy, and, you know, Deami Brown was a day two guy. I could see him being in the same ilk of that. Um, 
my bust pick. I'm going back to Alabama. I, I, it seems like I'm like picking on them, but I think they can take it. It's Devonta Smith. Um, mainly because I could see him being, and I'm going to get into his comparison, him being Ted Ginn Jr., you know, where they ask him to be a number one wide receiver, and it turns out he's more of a one-trick pony where he's just like, I mean, like college guys couldn't cover him, but NFL guys can. And is he going to be able to physical up some of these DBs in the NFL? Uh, He was able to make contested catches in the college. He was able to run past people in college. He was able to do so much in college. But, uh, you know, I don't really know if that's going to be the case in the NFL. I still think he's going to be pretty good. I just don't see if, if, like, there's going to be a bust receiver. I don't see it being Chase. I don't see it being Waddle. Um, I think it's going to be Devonta Smith. I I just think uh, somebody is going to expect too much out of him. Um. All right, comparisons. I got 10 wide receiver comparisons because this is my favorite one to go over in the class. So uh, let me break it down for you. Elijah Moore, I look at him as he's like the protege to Stefan Diggs. Insane routes, great footwork, hard to put your feet on, uh, your, your hands on. Uh, a lot of people like to say Tyler Lockett because he's more of Lockett's size, but I just see Stefan Diggs' game when I'm watching Elijah Moore. Uh, with Rashad Bateman, the Bateman. Uh, I I love Bateman. I really think he is OBJ at the same point in their career, right? Like, so when I say OBJ, and like I'm talking about the college version, the LSU version of o- Odell Beckham Jr., and I see a lot of that with Rashad Bateman. Maybe it's because they had similar jerseys. I don't I don't know. Um, I think it's because he makes difficult catches look routine and easy. He plays really well on the boundary and makes catches that like look like they're sailing out of bounds, but it's he catches them at the last second. He's a pylon guy. He's a diving catch guy. He's a one-handed catch guy. He does so many spectacular things, and I think someone's going to say, you know what, he, like, he is the second coming of OBJ. Let's go get him. Um, I had the Baltimore Ravens trade up for him in my mock draft a couple weeks ago. And that scares the shit out of me because he's the type of guy that says, listen, Lamar, you're a little off target. Sometimes I'm going to, I'm going to help you. Uh, I'm going to be a deep threat. I'm going to be a slant threat, a catch and run guy, physical, spectacular catches, one handed catches, diving catches. I'm going to do it all. And I like that about Rashad Bateman, the Bateman, uh, Deami Brown. This one's a little a bit, a bit of a deep cut. You're not gonna. Some people. Do you remember Stevie Johnson for the Buffalo Bills? I think he's Stevie Johnson with acceleration. You know, he had a little bit of physicality to him. He has this like touchdown threat on any play. He has spectacularness to him. However, uh, a couple concentration drops here and there where he moves his eyes upfield too early, and uh, you know, you just say like, "Oh, he's so close to be." Being great, and I saw that with Stevie Johnson for a little bit uh, when he was on the Bills, and I really liked Stevie Johnson. I really liked Deami Brown, um, so I like that comparison. Or if you want to, if you don't know Stevie Johnson, he's Odell without the spectacular catches, right? Like um, he's he's like Odell, but take away the 
spectacular being routine for him where he can make he could just take you out over the top he is physical he's got a nice like he's got like a big body for someone his size where it's like you know cornerbacks aren't going to really be able to like muscle up on him so i really like deami brown i think he's one of my favorites in the class um demetric felton demetric felton i think he out of ucla he's like the bargain Curtis Samuel, right? Like, you know, he does the same things that Curtis Samuel does in the NFL. He's a little gadgety. He can line up. He can run the ball. UCLA had him running the ball all the time. Uh, he can, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a screen nightmare. Uh, but he's not going to be the burner. He's not going to beat you over the top all that much. He's going to be hard to tackle because he's slippery and he's wiggling, wiggling a lot. You know, I said that about Jalen Waddle. I, I like it with Felton. He's just the sixth, seventh round version of these guys, uh, you know, where he's not going to be like super awesome. But if he's like your fifth, sixth option on offense and you, you know, bring him in for a couple plays here or there, uh, there's a spot for him on any, every NFL team. Okay. Uh, Jalen Darden, he's. I know I just said bargain, bargain Curtis Samuel. Well, here's the dollar store Tyreek. Uh, mainly because, you know, I want to see it against some top competition, but I don't want to be late to the Jalen Darden party. So I'd rather be a little uh, get ahead of myself than be like, oh, I knew it about this guy. And everyone's like, sure. Yeah, sure. You did, Jake. Um, no, I'm putting it right there. I'm saying Jalen Darden. He's one of those guys where it's like, if you want someone who cornerbacks are going to have to like if you can't be left on an, an island they're going to need safety help over the top because he's a double move threat he is a 10 yards and put your foot in the ground and and he's already stopped on a dime i really like that about him but then he's going his fastest speed just like that and uh i i, I just think every offense could use someone like that i look at i mean clearly i'm evaluating a lot of these guys as potential browns fits and I look at Jalen Darden as definitely one of those because they need somebody who can go over the top, open up things to, for our tight ends and our running backs and our wide receivers that don't go over the top, a.k.a. Jarvis Landry. Or no, we're not doing Jarvis Landry wars here. Sorry, guys. Um, Jalen Darden, though, he's that guy for me in this draft where uh, I just really see him being a deep threat. Uh, small body, uh, but deep threat. Uh, Terrace Marshall. Is he T. Higgins? Like, you know, I, I know he doesn't have the same body, but I feel like he could go in and be T. Higgins immediately in the NFL where he's a big receiver, he has long strides, he can make plays downfield. Um, I, I feel like he's going to have 20 yards before every target, um, but also be like physicaling up some guys. So I, I kind of like that. I think that's me being like a little bit of a recency bias because I feel like it's too easy of a comp for me. But when I see Terrace Marshall, I see a little bit of T. Higgins in his game. Uh, maybe Marshall can be more physical because he got like he's a stronger upper body. But I see the type of impact that Higgins made last year as Marshall will make as is a rookie in the NFL. Uh, Jonathan Adams Jr. is Kenny, Kenny Galladay, right? He's Kenny Galladay, guy that like needed a little bit of time, but if you worked on him, 
He's got the speed and the strength and the receiving skills to be a really big mismatch in the NFL. Uh, Kenny Galladay, he was a late-round pick. Detroit picked him up. A lot of fans loved him. Of any team, they were like, ooh, when is Kenny Galladay going to get, get picked? Why is it, why is no one picked him yet? You know, we're, we're on the sixth round, and no one's picked Kenny Galladay. Like, what is, is happening? And I think some teams just don't have time to develop these receivers. They want to be competing right away. So Detroit takes a flyer on Kenny Galladay, and they work him for a little bit. And before you know it, he's already their number one wide receiver. And he's a super big mismatch nightmare. Um, I could totally see that being Jonathan Adams Jr. And I don't want to be late to that part either. All right, uh, a couple fun ones for you too. Uh, I already said Devonta Smith. He's kind of like Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, I could see him being a more productive version of Ted Ginn Jr. in terms of like you know season output. Uh, however, it's hard to really bash Ted Ginn. He's still playing in the NFL. Not a lot of guys from 2007 are. Um, uh, Amir Smith Marset. I like. I think he's Hollywood Higgins. I look at his game. He's a smooth route runner. He's got pretty good hands. He he can make plays downfield. Like I see Hollywood Higgins in his game, mainly because of the route runnings and the hands and the fact that he's not going to rely on speed to beat you, but he still has the speed to be a downfield threat. Um, and believe it or not, he's actually a bigger showboat than uh, Hollywood Higgins. He he hurt his ankle on a flip in the end zone one time. Uh, so, you know, some people hate that shit. So, you know, if you don't like it, pardon my French, but, uh, you know, that, that might be th- something to consider. And then TJ Vasher, uh, my final comparison, uh, he is Megatron needing an oil change. He's the same, like the same body. You know, if you see them line up next to each other, you're, it's like looking in a mirror. Um, however, when they start to run, you're going to notice the difference because TJ Vasher doesn't have that same speed. He doesn't have the same cutting ability. Um, a lot of people are going to say like, you know, DK Metcalf, but DK Metcalf was strong, was strong as hell. You know, his three cone drill was bad, right? But who cared about one three cone drill when he was so good at so many other things? TJ Vasher doesn't have that speed. So he's you know, Megatron or DK needing an oil change. I think that's a pretty good one. My all Jake wide receivers um, in an offense that I'm going to feature a lot of receivers. I'm going with Bateman and Darden on the outside. Moore is my slot guy and Deami Brown is my like wild card is my like utility offensive guy. Um, I love, you know, these were guys I was talking up a bunch Bateman and Moore, I think uh, I would draft them higher than most people uh, just because I think they're going to be studs at the NFL level. Darden, uh, it seems like he's starting to get love. And De'Ami Brown, I think he's a second-round pick. Um, I, I just think they're all going to be players of the NFL, and I wouldn't want to be late on their party bus. Okay, all right, as we cross over into an hour, we're still on offense, but I'm going to try and get through the O-line quick. I'm not as big as a fan of the O-line as I as was the wide receiver position. So, all right, O-line, I'm giving a B for this class. I think they've got good starters in the first round and uh, potential starters in the second, but there's pretty good depth in this class. Like, if you want day three guys that can be uh, backups that turn into starters at some point, uh, you're going to get that in this class. Uh, Okay. All right, so first up, pretty clearly, Penny Sewell, uh, number one in this class. He is a very... Uh, polished offensive tackle. You plug him in at left tackle on day one, and he's already one of the better blindside protectors in the league. He received Heisman votes 
uh, as a sophomore. That just shows how good he is. Um, he is a great run blocker. He's great on his feet. Uh, I, I, but I just really value someone that will protect the blind side as good as he has. Um, and there's a lot of good tape on him. He has a lot of good tape basically against every team he's ever played. Uh, there's not much to, to hate on him. I could see him going as high as four to Atlanta. I don't think they're going to take a tackle, uh, but I think Cincinnati would be crazy not to take him considering how much trouble they've had protecting Burrow. And, uh, you know, you took him number one overall. You might as well protect your investment. So Panay Suel, clear number one tackle in this class. My number two offensive lineman is Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, I wasn't so high on him until recently when uh, a, fr- a friend of mine, um, a f- a, an account I really trust and appreciate, uh, compared him to Tristan Wirfs. Um and, and that's true. He's a, he. You can plug in a guard, and he will exceed there. He's got the body to play guard, but he's got the quickness to play tackle, and that uh, is you know. And right away, he's going to be an impact blocker, and he is he, he is tough when he's coming downfield at you. He will like run you over, and he's got a nasty streak to him. Uh, one that I don't really see in a lot of these top five guys for me outside of the fifth guy, but um. So I see a nasty streak in him. I really like him as a run blocker, and I like his versatility uh, enough to be the number two offensive lineman in this class. Uh, number three is Rashawn Slater, another one with a lot of versatility. They could probably play at all five spots in the offensive line, um, and and I think that versatility will go really well for him, especially since he did really well against some pro prospects. Uh, he did well against Chase Young, uh, not this past season, but the year before. And again, against Ohio State um, in the in the title game this year. So uh, a lot to like about Rashawn Slater, especially since, you know, if you need a center, I think he could play center and, and you'd, you'd have a really good player. But I think right tackle, right guard, you're going to be really happy with him there too. Christian uh, Derrissaw, number four for me. Uh, just a tackle, but really good tackle out of VTech. Uh, pretty good size, better size uh, th- than you know the the other guys before him, uh, but you know what, you're you're gonna like him at left tackle, right tackle. I think he can play left tackle, and then I think there's a bit of a drop after Darisaw. I think those four guys are clear first rounders. I think there's a battle for number five. I'm gonna give it to Tevin Jenkins because I like the nasty streak. I like the mauler attitude. Uh, um, uh, out of OK State, Tevin Jenkins, I think he's going to be, I think he'll be the fifth drafted offensive lineman. I think he's going to go top 25. I won't be surprised if it's one of those other guys that that like pass him up, but uh, my my choice for number five, uh, I think he will be. Uh, Dark Horse Raider pick. Dark Horse Raider pick, just saying. Uh, all right, my day two guys that I like. Creed Humphrey. Interior, strictly interior, but uh, out of Oklahoma, you know, he would have been drafted higher had he come out last year. Uh, something happened where, you know, he just didn't put on the best tape this year and he uh, slipped a little bit, but I'd still take him in the second round. Uh, Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. If he, if not for a bunch of injuries, he's probably a clear uh, first round pick and at inside, in, you know, interior offensive line. Uh, he's proven to be that he can he can go with almost like anything. Um, one of the like probably hidden gems in this class is Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. 
He opted out, but then came back because uh, at the time he opted out, um, possibly was facing uh, you know Ohio State not having a season with the Big Ten. So he ended up coming back. Um, he's really good, really sound guard. Uh, I think he's going to be a starter day one. Uh, it's just, you know, are you going to take just a regular starting guard in the first round? Probably not. Uh, but top 50? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like Wyatt Davis if you're looking to, you know, plug in a, a guard leaving your team. Uh, Dylan Radens, small school, Northern Iowa, uh, but a big tackle. I like him a lot day two. Uh, along with Alex Leatherwood, who has flipped around uh, at tackle for Alabama. I mean, he, hey, he's good enough that he forced Tristan, uh, not Tristan uh, Jedrick Wills to play right tackle when he was at Alabama. So he was the left tackle there, did very well. I think he's a starter day one on the offensive line, and you can get him round two probably. And then Liam Eichenberg, gotta love a Notre Dame guy. Uh, I think he could push first round, but uh, it just doesn't sound like he's getting a lot of love, and it looks like there's it's a very crowded room. I think after those top four, you could basically, you know, after Sewell, Tucker, Slater, Derrissaw, I think there's an open competition to be that number five uh, offensive lineman between all of those guys. Jenkins, Humphrey, Davis, uh, Radens, Dickerson, Eichenberg, Leatherwood. Uh, I, I, I mean, and, and I even like Kendrick Green from Illinois. Uh, maybe not as a starter year one. <coughs> so I know, like, you don't really want to take guys that are going to be bench players uh, that need time to, like, marinate. Uh, you don't really want to take them on day two, but Kendrick Green out of Illinois. If you know, if the Browns were thinking about taking the successor to Joel Batonio, I think that's the right way to go. Uh, day three, Walker Literal from Stanford has battled some injuries, but when he's healthy, he's a first-round prospect. So, if he passes medical, or if you're willing to, you know, burn a fourth or fifth-round pick and say, "Hey, I'm willing to take a chance on this guy because he's got it." Go for it. He's he's a left tackle that you can get in in the fourth round. Uh, two trays: Trey Hill from Georgia and Trey Smith from uh, Tennessee. Trey Smith from Tennessee. He was at once one of the top prospects uh, in in all of high school. Uh, I think he was number one in his class when he went to Tennessee. So uh, I've always kept an eye on him. He had to move inside from tackle, but he's still pretty good, and uh, I would just keep an eye out for him because, you know, hey, number one prospect. Tommy Kramer, Notre Dame. Gotta love a Notre Dame offensive lineman. And at the same point, we'll, we'll just go with Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame too. Aaron Banks would have moved to left tackle uh, had he stayed at Notre Dame um, and then maybe would have played himself into the first round had he done a good enough job. So... If you're going to take a flyer on somebody, make it Aaron Banks because I don't think we've seen the best of his game yet. And he was like the third or fourth best offensive lineman at Notre Dame last year. Maybe that's why you know he's not getting as much love, but he really is a player. And if you're looking for a backup offensive lineman, rotational guy that might start one day, I think Aaron Banks. I think Aaron Banks, yeah, a lot. Uh, Sam Cooper out of Merrimack. Way late uh, to the party on him. I know a lot of people are a really big fan. Uh, they've been talking about him for a while. I think uh, um, Corey over at uh, Locked On Browns with Jeff Lloyd, they're big fans of Sam Cooper, I believe. Um, but I'm late to the party. But he, I heard that he got, uh, you know, he got looked at by the Browns. So now I'm starting to pay attention. He's an athletic guy, and I and he's young, and I think that matters. 
And my final one to look out for. I know there's a lot of all O linemen in this draft that you you know you can you can like, but uh, Alaric Jackson from Iowa at one point was getting first round love, and uh, you know two years ago, uh, you know was passed over by Tristan Wirfs, and you know basically was just you know kind of forgotten about. But if you're looking for a swing tackle to be your backup at left and right. Uh, he did both at Iowa. If you watch Iowa, you know that they, you know, swing their tackles around a lot. And I just, if I'm going to take a bet on an offensive lineman, right, I'm going Iowa or Notre Dame or Wisconsin, those three schools. Like, if you're looking to take a chance on somebody, I'm always willing to take a chance on one of those guys because they constantly overperform what is expected of them. Notre Dame, Iowa, Wisconsin, give me one of those guys 10 times out of 10. So uh, Alaric Jackson, I'm seeing him not even be in the top 200 of this draft for a lot of boards. So if you're drafting at the end of round six or round seven and you're like, gosh, we could use a swing tackle, Alaric Jackson might be a super cheap option for that. Considering those guys make about four to five million dollars, he'd be making a lot less. All right, uh, sleeper. I already kind of mentioned Sam Cooper, but I, I'm going to be Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks is my sleeper in this one because he would have gotten the left tackle job at Notre Dame. And I feel like left tackle job at Notre Dame usually means a top 40 pick for you. And he's not getting that right now. He's not even getting a top 100 pick. So I think someone's going to get a super awesome value with Aaron Banks. And I I, I want in on that. I just don't think the Browns have a lot of room for backup offensive linemen. So I think whenever Aaron Banks gets selected, and I think it's going to be on day three in the fourth round, you know, if there are any Giants fans or Jets fans listening that you're like, hmm, maybe we could use some offensive line depth because I know there are some Giants and Jets fans listening uh, or even the Packers who are losing linemen left and right, it feels like uh, I think Aaron Banks would be a nice choice, uh, a guy that he'll probably play guard in the NFL, but he could have played left tackle at Notre Dame had he stayed for another year. Um, and then my bust I'm going to go with Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson only because, you know, somebody's going to want a center in this draft. Someone's going to say, this is our guy. He's going to handle our center center duties. Landon Dickerson, if injuries get in the way of him, no one's going to be surprised. And yet he's going to be possibly a first round pick. So, um, like I could see that being a problem. And then Creed Humphrey, uh, only because, I feel like his name propelled him up because he was once a first-round prospect, and he kind of just isn't that anymore. So I could see one of these guys being the uh, the bust of the draft because it just like isn't really uh, like working out. So um, a couple comparisons I like: Elijah Vera Tucker uh, to Tristan Wirfs. I think uh, Ben Solak pointed that out. Uh, one of the guys over at the Draft Network. I love that comparison. I think I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, a bulldozer, an athlete, uh, can play guard or tackle, left or right, um, and, and just someone who's going to be super athletic. And uh, day one being like a, a, an instant impact player, but isn't really a top ten pick. So uh, I, I love that comparison. Aaron Banks. How about Robert Hunt? Uh, you know, was a guy that you're like, oh, does he play guard? Does he play tackle? Uh, not really a f- top, you know, round pick, but uh, was like a mid round pick, and yet 
has come into the NFL and kind of been a pretty dependable starter. And I think that's uh, Aaron Banks. Uh, and then Rashawn Slater, I, 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 this one I'm having fun with. For the Giants fans out there, uh, Rashawn Slater is if Eric Flowers worked out, right? If, if Eric Flowers and everything made sense, like if Eric Flowers was pretty good in the NFL, because the tape's similar, you know, everything you see with, with Rashawn Slater, you're like, okay, yeah, this works, just like when Flowers was coming into the NFL, and you're like, oh, yeah, Flowers looks good, Miami, big school, uh, you know, tough competition, played really well, going to be a solid tackle, make him a top 10 pick. I see all of that same stuff with Rashawn Slater. Um, so maybe Rashawn Slater's going to be the bust of this draft. Who knows if, if, if I'm seeing Eric Flowers with him. Or maybe Rashawn Slater is just the good version of Eric Flowers. Uh, my all-Jake offensive line. Okay, starting from left to right. Left tackle, I'm going Panay Sewell. He's just such a clean prospect. I mean, anytime an offensive lineman gets a Heisman vote, you know it's going to be one of my guys. Uh Wade Davis uh, out of, uh, or excuse me, Wyatt Davis um, uh, out of Ohio State going to be my left guard. I think he's just going to be, you know what, actually, no, I'm changing that one because I'm making it Aaron Banks. I, I've been on the Banks train for a while now, so why am I going to stop here? Uh, I'm going to make Banks my left guard. Rashawn Slater, I'm putting at center because I like any time you can move a tackle inside. I think they just get that much better. Um you know, you know, and 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 can like you know maul and and protect from the inside just as well. Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard, I think he's superb. And then Alaric Jackson, I'm going to make him my right tackle only because, you know, maybe he only ever is a backup in the NFL. Maybe he's only ever a wing tackle, but you know, he's not even getting top 200 love right now. So I mean, this could be the value pick of the draft, and I want to be on it. I I don't I want to be able to say I told you so. Um, so yeah, this class I'm giving a B. I think it's got pretty good depth. It doesn't have a ton of guys I would take in the first round, but uh, it, it's a good class. It is a good solid class. All right, now we move over to defense. Uh, as my as my throat and voice continues to lose itself. Uh, I'll try and make it, you know, snappy. I know we've already gone over an hour and a half of offensive time. Um, defense, D tackle. This class is C. It's an average, right? Because I like some of these guys. However, it just seems like there's not many of them. Uh, I really like the, some of these guys, but there's just not many players that I think are, are draftable. And if you miss out on the top seven, eight, nine guys, it's like, ooh, you're you're really you're really pushing it. You're like so um, that's why it's one of the reasons I don't understand the Browns cutting Sheldon Richardson unless there's another move to be made because there's not a lot of D tackles out there that you can add that are gonna be rotational guys. Maybe the Browns plan on playing more defensive ends on the field at once, you know, and that just took out some of Sheldon Richardson's appeal as a pass rusher from the inside. They're like, well, we can have that when we play Clowney or Miles inside. So I get that, but there's not a lot of answers in the draft is my point. So uh, to the draft we go. My number one D tackle, a little different than a lot of people have. Uh, I'm going with Davian Nixon out of Iowa. I think Nixon uh, really has the full package. He is a interior disruptor, super athlete, great size, Hard to get your hands on as a defensive tackle, which is so valuable. Uh, you know, he has great handwork, and I think he's going to be a, a stud defensive tackle. 
Uh, number two is Christian Barmore. Uh, all the things you like about Nixon, you can also like about Barmore. Uh, he comes from a long line of Alabama defensive tackles. He's probably going to go first round. Uh, there's a lot of talk of him being a top 20 pick and that a lot of teams love Christian Barmore. This could be a Browns pick at 26. I'm not entirely sold on that just yet. But Barmore's got a lot of good game tape. Uh, I don't think he has the same athleticism I see in Nixon. And maybe the... Maybe the numbers suggest otherwise, but just from what I saw, uh, I see I see an athlete, but I also see kind of like, uh, I mean, no, I think he's great. I think he's really good. I just like Nixon a little bit better. Uh, number three is Milton Williams, Louisiana Tech. Um, ooh, I really wanted to put him number one. Uh, however, you know, he plays at Louisiana Tech, and he wasn't there on every down, but the highlights and the flashes and some of the reps were just insane. Like, he dove, like, over an offensive lineman and, and, and made a hit on the quarterback that forced an incompletion. You rarely see defensive tackles make plays like that, and uh, I love Milton Williams. Big, big, big fan of Milton Williams on this podcast. Number four, I'm going with Alan McNeil from uh, North Carolina State. This guy was a linebacker and running back in high school, so he's got the athlete traits there. Uh, he's new to the position, uh, so I think he could use a little more time. He's not going to be a day one starter, but he's got a lot of potential to be very good, uh, and he could be your nose. He could be your three technique. I think you could play him all over the interior. If you're looking for a rotational guy, I really like him as your choice. And then the fifth pick, uh, Levi Onwuzariki. <coughs> Forgive my uh, pronunciation of that. Uh, out of Washington, part of a really good Washington defensive class that's coming in with a couple other guys I'll mention later. Um, I, I think he's uh, he's ahead of McNeil and Williams uh, and even Nixon on most draft boards as a possible top 40 pick. I'm just higher on those guys than a lot of people are. So Levi has to fall down a little bit, but definitely a day two guy. So uh, and, and a potential starter, if not starter, from day one. OK, so uh, the day two love. I think any of those guys can be gone on day two. I don't think I'm not buying Barmore in the first round just yet. I know there's a lot of rumors, but I think this is rumor season, and you gotta be careful of that. I think no D tackles go round one, and I'm looking at all five of those guys as going between rounds two and three. Um, there's also a, a duo of USC tackles and Tommy Togiai uh, that you can find on day two. So day two is going to be loaded with the D tackles. Uh, I could see as many as nine going uh, just in those two rounds, two and three. By the way, and I have to say this, there I'm not sure, but I think round four is happening on Friday night. I'm not sure if that's right or wrong or if the NFL posted that in, inaccurately. But there was like a press release about the draft attendees and being and um, not the draft attendees, but the draft participation. And if you know people are going, because I'm thinking about going, I'm not sure yet. But uh, if you go to the draft, like there's talk about the the time slots and included round four in the Friday night thing. So I don't know if that was a miscalculation, but I'll have to keep an eye on it. Regardless, when I say day two, I mean rounds two and three, and when I say day three, I mean rounds. Four, five, six, seven, uh, because that's the way it's been the last, you know, I don't know, ten years. So that's the way I'm doing it. Okay. Um, 
Day three guys I really like. Jalen Twyman out of Pitt. Uh, a lot of things you like out of Alan McNeil, I've seen Twyman. And I could see him being drafted higher than McNeil, than Milton Williams, than the USC guys, than Tommy Togiai. Um, and then day three, Alan McNeil. Like, I like him more than I think people are liking him, mainly because he's raw at the position. But I just look at him as a linebacker and running back that's playing D-tackle and has that D-tackle size. And I'm a big fan. Uh, but right now, he's outside the top 100. So maybe a fourth-round pick. Uh, I'd really like Alan McNeil. Okay. Uh, my sleeper. He's my sleeper in this class. You know, no one's talking about him because he's new to the position. Or at least, you know, newish to the position. He has some athleticism. If he works on some hand moves um, and continues to, like, kind of just get his, like, feet under him at the defensive tackle spot... He's not going to be asked to be a starter right away. He's a guy that maybe he's your starter long-term and uh, like a long-term nose tackle but disrupts a lot, can take on double teams. I really like him a lot, and he's my sleeper in this class. Uh, My bust is Barmore, mainly because, you know, Alabama guys. I know I'm being tough on Alabama today. Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devonta Smith. Um, Landon Dickerson, all were my choices for bustable players, right? If there was an Alabama tight end, I'd probably pick him to be my bust too. Um, I'm not picking on Alabama. I just think that people get hype, a little bit of hype because they went there because, and they look better when they're surrounded by these Alabama NFL prospects. So Christian Barmore could be another one where I think, People see the name. They're like, I, I know I know this guy. I've seen him on TV a bunch. Uh, he's made some big plays for Alabama. And they look at that and say, okay, I'm going to draft him top 20 when I'm not so sure he's a top 20 player. He, I think he's going to be overdrafted a little bit. And I think he's going to be relied upon to be that like number one D tackle, Pro Bowl D tackle. And I'm just not sure he's that guy. Okay. Uh, comparisons I like in this class. Milton Williams. And be careful. I know I said it before with the other, you know, when I was doing wide receivers, when I was like, you know, be careful, or or when I was comparing Kyle Pitts or uh, uh, Quentin Morris to Antonio Gates. Again, hang in there for a second. But Milton Williams is the Sunbelt version of Aaron Donald. And I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. I'm not comparing him to a Hall of Famer and one of the best defensive tackles, like, you know, we I've ever seen. Um, but a lot of the things you like about Aaron Donald's game, his handwork, his athleticism, the fact that he's a smaller D tackle and yet can take and split D, uh, double teams, all those things you like in Milton Williams. Now he did that in the Sun Belt, so you gotta be careful. You know he did it at Louisiana Tech. Is he gonna be able to do it in the NFL? Maybe. You know a lot of people were sour on Aaron Donald in 2014 because he was too small. Um, you know, not talking they didn't criticize his uh, um, his competition, but. They said he was too small, and Aaron Donald has put away the fact that he's like, hey, listen, you, you can be smaller if you're good with your arms and if you're good at splitting double teams. If you're if good coaching can you know teach you how to split these double teams in the NFL because sometimes linemen can be a little lazy with their blocking and they just you know go for the numbers, go for the you know shoulder pads. You can dip and dive around that. 
Um, I think you can coach Milton Williams into being a stud defensive tackle. A three technique that splits guards and tackles, splits guards and centers, can penetrate, can use swim moves and duck moves, spin moves. Um, he's already shown that he can basically jump over offensive linemen. I love Milton Williams. Um, and I and I I mean maybe it's because it looks like Aaron Donald playing in the Sun Belt. Christian Barmore, um, he's Marcel Darius to me. You know, he's a guy where it's like he's a good D tackle, but he's getting pumped up a lot. And maybe, you know, you need to like set a, a lower bar and lower your expectations with what you're going to get. Marcel Darius was a good defensive tackle, but he was moved around because people were expecting something more and something like extra special out of him. Uh, and I think that was like kind of unfair. You know, Marcel Darius was loaded in this loaded 2011 class where he was drafted right after. Uh, you know, Cam Newton and, and in, right in the middle of this pack of Von Miller, Patrick Peterson, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Tyron Smith, Aldon Smith, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, I mean, uh, you know, J.J. Watt. Uh, the list of that 2011 class was insane. That's, I mean, those are all Hall of Famers I just mentioned or most not all of them, but those are a lot of Hall of Famers I just mentioned. And all in that class, and Marcel Darius was supposed to be right up there with them. He was drafted over almost all of them. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's just a, a higher bar it kind of led to his demise. Because if you like, you know, it, there's a lot to like about Marcel Darius. And I think there's a lot of the same things to like about Christian Barmore. Uh, and I'm not even saying that Barmore is going to have the same type of career as Darius is. Maybe he's going to continue to progress and to continue to work harder. But there's just a lot of the same things that I'd be worried about uh, with Barmore. And uh, Darius showed us that. And then finally, uh, I wanted to do a comparison for Alan McNeil. Uh, there's just not, There just isn't one. I can't find it because I keep on wanting to look at nose tackles. And there isn't a nose tackle that has the type of background that he has. And he is a bigger than most three technique. So I'm like really having trouble finding a comparison for Alan McNeil. I don't have one. He's That's my N.A. I've got a few N.A.'s for comparisons, and he's one of them. Uh, the All-Jake team at D-Tackle, I think you know it now. It's Nixon and Milton Williams, and Alan McNeil is my third D-Tackle, the one coming off the bench. Um, but yeah, at All-Jake, I really like those three D-Tackles. Here's the thing, though. There's just... Outside of the ones I mentioned, like that's it. Like there's not much. There's not much else at the de- in de- at, on defense uh, at that position. Okay, so moving along to the edge, uh, I gave this class a B. It's similar to, um, you know what? It's it's a lot of people are saying it's got the same depth that cornerback and wide receiver has. Uh, I don't think it has the same as them. Like there are thirty corners and 30 wide receivers i like there's not 30 pass rushers i like so i'm giving it a b i think it's a very good class there's no top 10 guy but there are a lot of top 50 guys um each present a bit of a question mark outside of my number one but number two three four five and then numbers like six seven eight nine ten all are like hey you might be able to start and you're like you might be a really good starting d end but there's this question uh, my number one is Quiddy Pay. There's really no question with him. He doesn't have the same pop that, like, you know, we've seen at the top of the draft from the Boses and Chase Young and Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Oh, two of those are Cleveland Browns now, by the way. Uh, so he doesn't have that same, like, 
unblockable like crazy motor where you're just like you're getting a special player however quitty pay is really good and he is tough to block and he is an all you can ask for out of your defensive end i think he's a top 25 prospect i think he gets drafted top 20 uh and if you're looking at d end he should absolutely be the first on everyone's board uh number two this is where things get wacky because I could see any of these next six guys being your number two. Uh, mine is Jalen Phillips out of Miami. All right. Uh, I'm and again, I ranked my DNs a month ago and my rankings are completely different right now. Uh, just because, you know, did a month more of work. Uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami. He was a five-star recruit. Uh, things didn't really work out for him at UCLA. He's got some injury history, but Boy, when he plays well, he plays like a top 10 pick. Uh, however, there's just a lot of concern because of he's just not on the field a whole lot. Last year was pretty good. Last year, if you're going to get last year's production every season, he's a top 10, top 15 pick. Um, but are you going to get that? So he's my number two. He'd be number one had he been on the field more, but he's he hasn't been on the field more. Number three is Aziz Ojolari from UGA, uh, from from Georgia, UGA, um, from Georgia. Uh, insane motor, super athletic freak. Uh, gonna get to him in a little bit uh, with one of my comparisons, but I see a really good pass rusher, really good bend, just really getting after the quarterback. Uh, I could see him being like a very surprise great player in this draft. Uh, he's really shot up the board for me. Uh, I don't even think I mentioned him the last time I talked about DNs. Uh, but yeah, and he's, and he's uh, younger than some of these guys too. Uh, Greg Rousseau out of Miami is my number four DN. Uh, he was higher before, uh, you know, the sitting out of one year and having a really bad testing pro day. Uh, you know, a lot of people are looking at his pro day numbers and thinking like, hey, this isn't the guy. He's putting up DN numbers of guys that are tweener DND tackles, not exactly your number one pass rusher. And to that, I'm just like, okay, those are legit concerns. These athletic RAS scorings, you know, like these are important. They show they are pretty consistent with production at the NFL level. Uh, you know, when you get these RAS scores, uh, what is it? Relative athletic scoring. I, I forget what the actual monogram is, but um, but. You know, he didn't play all last year. Maybe his Raz score would be different in July after he has a couple more months of working out. And and and, and if that's the case, you know, he's still he has the tape that you'd think like okay, like he's got production. But then you watch a little the tape a little bit closer and you think okay, some of these sacks came a little too easy where the quarterback ran into him a little bit. Um, a little bit of a cause for concern. But when it's put all together, he is the clear. By far, number one defensive end in this class. Like, when everything is right, Greg Rousseau is number one. But he's number four because there's there's a couple question marks. There's not just one. There's, like, three. So uh, you got to be careful with Greg Rousseau. But if he goes to the right team, watch out. I bet, you know, I bet he goes to New Orleans and he's going to be awesome for years. That's my guess. Um, and then number five for me, this was really tough. You know, this was really tough because I see a lot of these guys and I'm like, gosh, I really like them. But if those top four are off the board and I need an edge rusher, 
I'm going Jason Owe out of Penn State. I know he didn't have a sack last season, and I and that's a cause for concern. But he's a disruptor, and I think that's that is production is when you are a disruptor. Um, he is a freak of freaks when it comes to athletes. He is so athletic. He's an uber athlete that if you can just figure out like some of these moves, give him a secondary move or get his timing down on these. I was listening to Dame Brugler yesterday on with uh, Jake Burns on the OBR and he was talking about Jason Elway and you're like, gosh, you're just like, you feel like you're this close. You're this close to him being an absolute stud D end. Um, so that's why I'm putting it at number five because like when you have a ceiling quite uh, that's like as high as his, uh, I really don't want to you know forget about him. You really don't want to pass him up. Uh, the day two guys, okay, all right. So we're looking at these. Um, I think Quiddy Pay is a clear number one guy, uh, a round one guy. Phillips, Ojolari, both uh, I think go round two, or uh, I'm sorry, a round one as well. After that, Rousseau, Owe. Uh, they're round two. They, uh, um, Osai from Texas. He's also a day two guy. Peyton Turner out of Houston. I'm a big fan of him, and he just posted some great athletic numbers. I think he's skyrocketing now. He was around 89, 91. Now you got to take him uh, in round two. You got to take him top 60. Uh, Carlos Basham. I like Carlos Basham, uh, but he's a little bit older, and that's a problem for Browns. Uh, the Browns, they want their guys young, and I get it. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, and then, of course, Joe Tryon, where uh, I forget who who my dad was listening to. That he's, The guy said Joe Tryon was going to be his bust pick of the draft, but I don't see that. I see I see a pretty good effort uh, with Joe Tryon, really good size, and kind of just like a full package of like what you want on the D-line. Maybe he's not your number one pass rusher, but if he's your number two, it's pretty good D2, uh, DN number two. Um, all day two guys day three uh still like the depth here i like a lot of, if you're going into round four and you still need a dn there are guys i like um ellerson out of northern iowa he's it, got really good size uh if, if you're looking for like depth at the dn position uh patrick jones out of Pitt loved his interview on um on uh the draft network at the senior bowl uh Malcolm Kuntz. I don't really know what position Malcolm Kuntz is out of Buffalo, but I just really like an athletic freak that runs all over the place. Is he a linebacker? Is he a DN? I'm not really sure, but I really just like an athlete. And then uh, Chris Rumpf Jr. out of Duke. He's probably the second best, or at least second most talked about DN on his own team right now. Um, but he's getting this like seventh round push, and. I'm thinking like, man, if you want just a strict pass rusher, yes, he's a little light. You know, he's going to be the size of some like smaller linebackers. But if you're a 3-4 team and you need somebody that just gets after the quarterback and he comes in for that, ooh, Chris uh, Rumpf, is, Rumpf is the guy for that. Uh, really good day three guy. My sleeper is Peyton Turner, um, mainly because the things I like about Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett and uh, Joey Bosa, I like about uh, Peyton Turner. He is big. He's got a huge frame, but he has really good speed. I, I think similar to Owe, where once he figures it out and puts it all together, you're going to have like a, a force at defensive end. 
and uh, no, and there's just not enough talk about him. He, his athletic scores from the other day are definitely going to boost him up a bit. That's going to be for sure. But uh, ooh, I really like him. I, I, I'm he's one of my favorites in the class. I really want the Browns to get him, but I think he's dra- he's playing his way out of a Browns draft pick because they're just going to say we need to go corner, we need to go D tackle, we need to go wide receiver. We can't go D end here. Um, the bust. Uh, choice. It's the Miami duo for me uh, on reasons I just said. You know, Rousseau has his problems. Jalen Phillips has the uh, health concerns. Rousseau hasn't played in a year. You know, he sat out this past year. Um, he didn't play his freshman year. He has only one year of college production. Uh, some of the sacks were kind of gifts to him, and his athletic scores were low. And yet, he's still a top 40 prospect. So obviously, like, you know, he's probably one of the biggest bust candidates in this entire class. Uh, won't be surprised at all if it doesn't work out. However, man, if you, if you have a pick to burn where you're like, we can, we can afford to take a chance, uh, he's, the sky is the roof for this guy. Uh, the sky is the ceiling, whatever the phrase is. All right, comparisons I like. Uh, I like Danielle Hunter for Jason Owe. Um, just a guy where it's like, you know what? Not getting a ton of love, but if he works on a couple pass pass rush moves, I can see him just being able to get to the quarterback on every play. Even if it's not resulting in a sack, he's just always disrupting the way that Hunter is, and he might start his career as someone's second best D-end, similar to Hunter, where Hunter was in Minnesota, where... I feel like they just had years after years after years of like, you know, they had Jared Allen, right? And, they, you know, when then Jared Allen went away, uh, they had Everson Griffin. And then they had, you know, Hunter and and, uh, and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Ngakwe. And it's just like they always just keep on recycling these DNs that just, it's like, where did this guy come from? You know, never really first round picks. Um, I kind of see that with Jason Oway, but I think someone is going to take a shot on him at the end of first round, maybe the early of the second round. Uh, Peyton Turner, I really like as Marcus Davenport, right? Remember him coming out of uh, Roadrunner Academy, UTSA, uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, a couple years ago? Uh, Saints moved up to get Marcus Davenport. They were like willing to give up a couple draft picks to go up and get this guy. And this is the same things that they liked about Marcus Davenport. I like about Peyton Turner. Not exactly the same size, but both are bigger defensive ends. Long, strong, fast. Uh, no one's going to get out of their reach. They're always going to be able to create separation with their arm against the offensive lineman. And these are all things I really want out of my defensive end that can you can move on the inside because he could probably have the length to split those double teams and give you that third down uh, interior pass rush that you ask for your defensive lineman. Uh, really like that. Uh, okay, Aziz Ojolari. That one is uh, Yannick Ngakwe, I think is just like an athletic super freak that can get after the quarterback. I really like the two uh, comparison. Ngakwe coming out of Maryland was not getting enough love for just being like an athletic freak who was rising up the draft boards, probably just needed another month of of draft talk, and maybe he would have worked himself higher into the draft. And then, oh, my, my favorite comparison at the DN position is Jalen Phillips being the third Bosa. He even looks like him when he gets the sacks and he does the same similar celebrations. He's got big hands. His ar- He uses his arms where it's like he can make a tackle for loss without his legs sometimes, where it's like he just reaches over and he grabs a running back and tears him down. 
With him, it's going to be health. It's going to be consistency. It's going to be can he be on the field, and is he going to be able to be at his like 100% all the time? Uh, and if he is, I totally see him being like the third Bosa brother. He's not, ex- he's not exactly like Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, where like they have that like you know repertoire behind them, and you know you're getting DN number one with them. However, if he was like the third one, I totally see it. All right, my all Jake defensive ends: uh, Peyton Turner, Aziz Ojulari, and Greg Rousseau. I could have went so many different ways here. I used to be a big fan of Carlos Basham, but then other guys jumped in the way. Quiddy Pay, you know, he's getting a lot of love. He doesn't need extra love from me. Jalen Phillips, again, I'm just not sure, but I'm willing to take chances on these guys. Greg Rousseau, I I kind of lean bust with him, but. I just keep on seeing him be drafted in the 40s or 50s, and I'm like, God, he's so close to being a very clear number one defensive end. So I'm going to continue to stand him, but Peyton Turner's my real guy. Okay, linebacker. I'm going to try and rip through the linebacker position because I don't love it. It's a C-plus for me. Um, I think you get some really good day two guys out of it. However, uh, I don't see a lot of the day one love. Maybe that's me being on Brown's Twitter too much where you're not supposed to take linebackers on day one. I get it. All right. Number one in the class is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame. Again, it's kind of a cheat because he's basically a safety, but when you watch him play, you don't think safety. You think uh, you know a linebacker that's all over the field. I mean, I got to be honest. When I watched him at Notre Dame, and I watched him a lot because I watched all of Notre Dame's games last year. Uh, I watched all of Notre Dame every year. But when I watched him and all I ever saw was, man, he gets after the quarterback fast or the running back behind the line of scrimmage. He's there to the line of scrimmage before the running back is. He's at the receiver catching the bubble screen before the guy has a chance to set his feet. He's just he gets to his point so fast, delivers vicious, violent, legal hits. And that's a type of guy that you want on your defense. Like he's a type that, you know, these other linebackers you might take out for different down and distances. But Jeremiah Wusu Kormo, he's practically a strong safety. You're never taking him off the field. And I love him for that. He's the one linebacker I would take at the for the Browns at 26. But frankly, I don't even think he makes it there. I don't think he makes it to 20. I think he's a possible Redskin, at, or, excuse me, Washington football player uh, at, at 18 if they don't move up for quarterback. Maybe even a New England Patriot in the middle of the round if they don't take quarterback. Uh, I think Koromoa is really going to play himself into a really high draft pick because somebody, all it takes is one team to say, you know what, that Swiss Army knife, I want him. Uh, but you got to have a plan with him. Got to have a plan with him. Uh, Michael Parsons is my number two linebacker out of Penn State. Was once a top 10 guy. Um, was once the top linebacker on this, but he doesn't have the cover skills that Cormoa has. Again, Cormoa kind of cheating that he's a linebacker on this list when he's a safety on other lists. But, I mean, he played linebacker for Notre Dame. What do you want? And he's going to play linebacker in the NFL. Uh, Parsons. He's mean. He is tough. He's got a little bit of an off-field problem, but uh, you know, I could see. I definitely see him going round one to somebody. I could totally see Detroit. What I had them doing is trading down uh, for a team that was desperate to get quarterback, get an extra draft pick, um, and then take Micah Parsons because that's who Dan Campbell wants eating kneecaps. Uh, number three is Zayvon Collins. 
lot to like about Zayvon Collins. Not many guys move that well for someone who's 250, 260. Um, he played at Tulsa. He got after the quarterback. He looks like a defensive end out there playing linebacker, but he's very athletic. I mean, anytime he got the ball in his hands, he looked like a running back. Uh, so a lot to like about Zayvon Collins. Very tall, very big. Uh, number four, guys skyrocketing up draft boards is Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. Uh, super freak athlete, 44-inch vertical. A uh, lot to love about that. But, again, you know, you got to be careful about those guys that are just rising on the boards this late in the process because you're like, well, you know what? Why wasn't he that high earlier? Uh, but athletic freak, got to like him. Uh, number five is Nick Bolton I out of Missouri. I really like Nick Bolton. He looked like a literal bullet coming down the field sometimes, and he fills gaps. Like there are other linebackers in this class that I like, but Nick Bolton, like he looks like he's gonna pop your helmet off every time he hits you. Um, there's not a lot of questions when he gets his arms around you. You're going down. Um, however, he's just very limited. He's a middle linebacker. He is a running downs kind of guy. But af- after him, it's like okay, you're. Uh, there's kind of a break. So, um, okay. So day two guys, I think Collins, Davis and Bolton are all day two. There's a chance Collins goes around one round one. I don't think so, but I think Parsons and joke are both uh, day one. I think Collins, Davis, Bolton are day two along with Pete Werner. I like Pete Werner out of Ohio state. Uh, you're going to be getting a weak side linebacker, somebody who's covering guys out of the backfield, covering tight ends. I think he can do that pretty good. And I think he could start in the NFL. Uh, day three, guys. I, I don't know why Dylan Moses isn't liked more. You know, maybe maybe Mac Wilson isn't doing his buddy Dylan Moses any favors in the NFL. But I think Dylan Moses has a lot better size, and you know, I, I, he fills really well. I think he covers okay. If he can improve his coverage, though, I think Dylan Moses is a guy that. I mean, maybe it's just me being clouded by the fact that he's been at Alabama and he's been like this, like, you know, top guy for a while. But uh, I, I think he's just not getting enough love. Uh, other guys I like, I like Cox out of LSU and Barnes out of Purdue, uh, Derek Barnes and Jabril Cox. Um, again, they're just like, you know what? In the passing NFL, can you cover tight ends as a linebacker? And that's going to be a big uh you know, big problem is like, would you rather have this guy or would you rather have a strong safety on the field and get a third safety? Um, you know, so like, that's the difference. Like, are you getting that value? You know, Derek Barnes, you're a good player, but if you can't cover Darren Waller or Gronk or, uh, Kyle Pitts, you can't be on the field on these third downs when, you know, when we're not really thinking about the, the run. So, uh, that's the problem that you get, but you know, these are day three guys, and uh, they certainly have a spot on the in the NFL. Um, all right, my sleeper is Dylan Moses. Uh, contrary to where I have the Alabama guys typically are the bus, I just think Dylan Moses is like one factor away from being a very complete linebacker in the NFL. Um, he really does like when he tackles, you're going down. Like the same way about Nick Bolton, he's a better tackler than Nick Bolton. He gets your arms, his arms around you, you're going down. Uh, the one question is, is he going to be able to cover tight ends at the NFL? Can he cover those speedier running backs coming out of the backfield? If he can work on that and, you know, 
there is something to say about, you know, guys trying to work on that in the NFL is like, hey, your coverage abilities, like they are what they are, kind of like you either have the speed or you don't. Uh, but I'm willing to say Dylan Moses is my sleeper because for some reason, nobody's taken him until mid round four, late round four. I'm seeing him at 130 a lot. Um, and to me, that just seems low. Like, I, like if someone were to take him in round two, round three, I think that would be good because you're going to be getting a really stud linebacker. Uh, the bust, the bust here. I mean, look, I'll be honest. It's Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. He's going to be drafted really high because teams looked at Isaiah Simmons last year and they're like, wow, I really like that physical athlete freak that is going to be on the field at all times. I was a big fan of Isaiah Simmons last year. I was like, listen, I want him. I want him on my defense because you never take him off the field. And what I want on defense is guys that are never coming off the field. However, the Browns you know, built themselves into a position where they're like, we need to take tackle no matter what. Uh, fortunately, Jedrick Wills fell to them, and they were like, all right, cool. We got a really good tackle. Um, so, yeah, I understand. If you don't have a plan for Jeremiah Wusu-Kormoa and you draft him just thinking like, okay, he's going to do it all for us, like, I don't know. I could see being like the Raiders and the Raiders being like, okay, we're going to draft Jeremiah Usukomo. He's going to do everything for us. Go out there and do everything for us. It's like, well, no, you got to have a plan. He's going to be really good on some good teams, or he's going to be in a really tough spot if he's taken by a team that doesn't know what to do with him. Uh, So yeah, he's got a lot of bust potential, but I think he's going to be very good. Um, We'll see where he lands. Uh, another bust potential, though, is Jamin Davis. He was my pick before Jeremiah Usu-Kormo. Since Kormo is kind of not even a linebacker, I'll give you a second bust. Jamin Davis is flying up draft boards. Somebody's going to end up taking him in the first round. It just You got that feeling of he's going to be taking top, like, you know, Jaguars, 25th or 24th, if you where they are. Uh, and, and and you're like, why? Why'd they do that? Like, you you don't need to go there, especially especially not the Jaguars because they've got already a couple high-priced linebackers, so why would they do that? But, um, you know, it just has that feel of a team that takes a guy because they're, like, buying the hype, and I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not buying it. Uh, my favorite comparison for this class, uh, there is none for Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa for me. At least on the bus potential, the comparison is... Um, Isaiah Simmons, because, you know, it, it could be like one of those things where, you know, you don't know what to do with him. You don't know where to play him. Um, but the really uh, the comparison I really like, and I, I'm kind of bummed I didn't say this earlier in the draft process because I heard it elsewhere recently. And, and I'm now I'm pissed because I'm like, damn, I came up with it a while ago. But when I see uh, Zayvon Collins, I really see Anthony Barr. He is he looks like a pass rusher. He is the size of a D end. He's the size of like a tight end, but he's running around playing middle linebacker. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he's like really, you know, uh, like he's, he's an athlete. Uh, Anthony Barr, super, really good player. How important is off ball linebacker? If you're not defending pass catchers and if you're not getting after the quarterback, how important are you? And that's going to be the big question. Uh, we don't need to answer that when we're evaluating players. But when you're drafting these guys, you absolutely need to ask that question. Um, so, Zayvon Collins, Anthony Barr, I really like that. Um, the All-Jake team, there's only one guy. There's only one linebacker I'm putting on the All-Jake team, and it's Jeremiah Wuzukormoa. For my All-Jake defense... We want guys that are interchangeable, that can swap around, and that can cover tight ends and deliver big hits and get after the quarterback. And 
Owusu Kormoa, the only linebacker that can do that. So he's the only linebacker I got on the field. All right, my favorite position of the draft, cornerback. It's an A plus for me. All right, an A plus. It's the best. It's the best class. Um, I love it in the first round. I love it in the second round. Love it in the third round. Love it in the fifth round. Like there are just guys that I feel like it's just bleeding with talent. It's just oozing with talent. Number one for me, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. He was a late riser. He was, you know, like early in the draft process. He was late round one, early round two. Uh, the son of Joe Horn. He is flashy. He talks a lot. He is a mirror on the field, and he is a uh, he creates turnovers. He played great against great competition. There's nothing. To, uh, PFF hates him. I don't know why. Uh, when I see him. I see a number one shutdown cornerback, and I love him. Uh, number two for me is Caleb Farley. Probably would be number one if not for sitting out for a year and then also having these injury concerns. You know, the injury concerns are going to be very interesting because uh, he's had a couple ankle, knee, back. Those are the bad ones, right? And he's getting them. So, uh, you know, you don't you want to avoid those, especially a cornerback and wide receiver where it's like you need your speed. Um, he had a back surgery that was considered minor and not going to like affect his draft status too much. But I don't know if I'm taking somebody in the top 15 of the draft, I want to make sure like, Hey, listen, if I'm drafting Caleb Farley, I could easily draft JC Horn right now. I'm probably going to take JC Horn. Uh, but at the end of round one, Caleb Farley might be, might be in the hands of some really good team. And uh, his tape speaks for itself. He's a number one cornerback. A number one, not my number one, A number one. Uh, number three is Patrick Sertain Jr. from Alabama. Clean, easy to love, got good speed, good tackler. He's everything you ever get from an Alabama prospect. We'll get a little more into him later. Uh, number four for me is Asante Samuel Jr. We have three sons of NFL players in my top four cornerbacks right now. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. is one of my big draft crushes. If he was a little bit bigger, he'd be my number one, even ahead of J.C. Horn. He is a willing tackler. He is a little small, but he can play the outside really, really well. He can play the slot really well too. Um, so, like that gives you that option of versatility. Uh, I said that he was a willing tackler. He's like another mirror image guy, and uh, yeah, he brings a little swagger to your defense. He has a little bit of shit talk in his game, and I like that. Uh, number five for me is Greg Newsom Jr. of Northwestern. He's been flying up the draft boards for months now. He's possibly a top t- like 15, 16 pick right now. If, if the Browns want him, they got to go up and get him. Uh, Greg Newsom, you wish he was a little bit longer for like his size speed combo, uh, but he's not very long. And uh, for one of those short, like small guys, he's not like the fastest. So he's kind of in between. You're like, well, he's not super fast for a small guy. And he's not like, he he doesn't have like the length for someone who's not very fast. So like, what is he? But he's a really good football player. He tackles well. He's missed a couple games uh, each season, which kind of sucks because I really want to love Greg Newsom Jr. Um, I don't know why there's this stigma against like, Big Ten DBs, but for some reason, Big Ten gets like shit on, and people think that DBs coming out of the Big Ten are 
like unathletic or not fast enough. And Greg Newsom's got it. He is he is gonna be when he comes into the NFL, he'll be a starting cornerback. He will be in the middle of like of you know in terms of their sizes, but he's gonna be a willing tackler. He's gonna be a number one. And look, as your number five cornerback on the board, like that's great. He's a first round pick. Um, all five of those should be first round picks. Maybe Samuel Jr. I'm pumping up a little bit, but the first and and maybe Caleb Farley. Who knows with the injury stuff if that if he goes lower. But I think all five of those guys are first round picks. On day two, ooh, we're getting into some good ones here. All right, um, I love Ify Melifonwu. He is he's the biggest cornerback in this class. I mean, he looks like a he looks like Derwin James playing cornerback. Um, he is athletic. He is fast. He is a hard hitter. He is big. Did I say he's big? He's like 6'2", 215. Um, 6'3", 215, I think. He looks like Josh Gordon. I've said that like three times now. But um, Ify Melfonru, uh, he can cover, he can run, he can hit, he talks a lot of smack, and he's gone up against some pretty good wide receivers. Uh, his tape against Dami Brown was a lot of fun to watch. I watched it last night. I, I could have probably watched it three times over where I was like, give me UNC offense versus Syracuse defense because I love the Syracuse defensive backfield. Oh, man, they're fun. Um, I love Ify Melifonwu. Uh, I think it, I, it's Ifatu Melifonwu. It's spelt I-F-E-A-T-U. I've heard Ifiatu, Ifiatu, Ifatu, but some people just call him Ify Melifonwu, so I'm going to call him Ify. Uh, Elijah Molden from uh, Washington, the, the third Washington defender that I think gets drafted in round two. Um, looks like a really good slot cornerback. Plays a little bit like the Honey Badger, but not... You know, not the same type of like uh, turnover machine that the Honey Badger is, but a lot of the same things you like about Honey Badger, you like with Elijah Molden. Uh, Paulson Adebo, Stanford cornerback, good length, really athletic. Like, I was a little surprised when I saw some of his athletic plays and that, like, he's a starting cornerback and he's not getting any love at all. Um, and then the two Georgia guys, Campbell and Stokes, those guys could be pressing for round one. And yet we're talking about cornerback 9-10 right now. Like there are a lot of cornerbacks in this class. If you missed out on those first round cornerbacks, do not worry. There are starters all over the place in round two and round three. All right. Day three, though, um, there are a couple guys I want to just point out really quickly. Uh, Trill Williams. The, the other cornerback out of Syracuse is a real playmaker, and he is one of the most versatile players in this class. He's played safety, slot, boundary corner. He's played like nickel linebacker. He's done it all for Syracuse. I really like Trill Williams. I think if, if you're drafting the fourth round, you have pick 100, and you say, I need a special teamer. I need a guy who can back up multiple spots uh, on defense. And I need a guy that's going to be a good locker room presence and also has a nose for the football. There's not many of those guys, and Trill Williams is one of them. Okay, Benjamin St. Juiced out of Minnesota. Really like him. He's not getting a lot of talk right now, but he's another one where it's like he might be the 13th best cornerback in this class, uh, but but he's good. Uh, Bryce Thompson is a draft crush of mine out of Tennessee. Pretty small, but he plays big, and he hits hard. Um a really good special teamer and depth piece. I like uh, Bryce Thompson as a late pick. And then Thomas Graham, 
out of Oregon was part of a really nice Oregon secondary that isn't getting enough credit right now. Similar to the Syracuse DBs, but you know they were getting or the South Carolina ones. Um, but those guys are getting a lot of hype. The Oregon ones are not getting a lot of hype. I think Thomas Graham can play. Uh, we'll see. Maybe his size, you know, for the outside, com- combined with like you know lack of leaping ability, maybe that's the case. I don't know why he's not really getting a lot of love. But if you're looking for a cornerback in round six, seven that like might be able to you know like actually play on your defense, I'm going Tom Graham. All right, my sleeper in this draft is Ify Melifonwu because I'm just not sure why he's not getting first-round love. Like, he's got the size to be Jalen Ramsey. Um, is he the same, like, mirror image type of corner? Probably not. Um, I mean, you know, no one's Jalen Ramsey. But if I'm looking at, like, cornerback and I'm wanting, like, a guy that um, – like I just don't know what his problem. Like I don't know why he's not getting the love. I'm like, I'm I'm baffled. Maybe he's just not an island cornerback, and that's okay. But he does so much. If he goes to the right defense, like he's Richard Sherman. Like he is hard hitting. He is breaking up passes. He is getting the ball in his hands, and he is big, fast, strong, and he will let you know it. He's like in your face, and I want that swagger from my corners. Um, I re- Iffy Melfon was one of my biggest draft crushes. Uh, the bust of this class, I, I think it's it's it could you could go either either way with this one, but my choice is gonna be Caleb Farley, mainly because it's like, hey, not not really sure what you're gonna get with a cornerback that has this much injury history and just took off the last year from football. Uh, that has a huge red flags, two huge red flags. He's up there with Rousseau as the biggest uh, red flag candidates on, uh, you know, in this draft. Okay, comparisons. Like a lot of these comparisons, Asante Samuel Jr. I think he's a healthier Denzel Ward. You know, coming out of Ohio State, uh, uh, Denzel Ward was, you know, a, a, a willing tackler. He was like a shutdown cornerback. He was doing it all, but he got his hands on the football more, and I think that was like you know part of the reason why he got pumped up so much to being drafted number four. Should he have been drafted number four? But um, you know maybe not. But I still, I mean, I love Denzel Ward. I'm happy he's on the Browns. I'm happy with the draft pick, uh, Asante Samuel. Maybe it's because there's other cornerbacks, but maybe if um, if Greg Newsom wasn't in this class and if Patrick Sertain wasn't in this class and it was just him and JC Horn, maybe Asante Samuel would be a top 15 pick. Maybe that's just the problem right now. But since there's so many guys, he's getting pushed down. Um, I just don't see why he's not a first round pick. Uh, and I, I like a lot of Denzel Ward's game with him. Uh, Denzel Ward's had a couple of injury hit, uh, you know, problems in his NFL career. And when you're a smaller cornerback, that is something that, you know, you're asking him to tackle. You're asking him to play, you know, the run. And Asante Samuel, he does that. Uh, but these smaller guys, they get hurt faster or more often. Okay. Uh, J.C. Horn, uh, you know, he's Jair Light for me. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of the things I liked about Jair coming out of college, I liked them about J.C. Horn. I don't think he has the same fluidity to his game that Jair did. If you remember, when Jair came out of college uh, in 2018, he was my all-Jake team cornerback. 
he was like, you know, he was my guy. I was a big fan of Jair Alexander. Packers pick him up, and I'm like, I told my friend Bill, who's a big Packers fan, told him right away, I was like, I love Jair Alexander. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. He's going to be great. And he's been great. And he still doesn't get the love that he deserves. Like, he's a top three cornerback in the NFL right now, and yet everyone wants to pump up other players. Everyone wants to pump up the Baltimore Ravens because they all play together. Um, But, I mean, Jair Alexander... I see a lot of J.C. Horn's game to his game, uh, and and you know what? I I would love the Browns to get their hands on him. I just don't think he's making it anywhere to twenty. Uh, I think he's I think he's a lock for the top thirteen right now, possibly fifteen, maybe top ten. Um, another one I really like is Patrick Sertain Jr. I think he is a technically sound D Milliner. Careful, you know, don't don't go jumping off of bridges, Jets fans. I know D Milliner, really tough draft bust. You know, he had some um, he had some uh, injuries that were a problem. I I know there's a lot of things to be worried about when you hear D Milliner, but you know he. You know, coming out of Alabama, they played. They played on the same defense. They played very similar styles. They were asked to do the same things. So yeah, it's easy to compare them. They're very similar players in a lot of respects. Um, I think Patrick Sertain though is a lot more technically sound than D. Milliner. So maybe D. Milliner is not his pro- his comparison. But if I'm building Patrick Sertain, I'm take I'm starting with taking D. Milliner, and I'm making him trust his assignments more. Um, and he's not as much relying on his athleticism. This is certain, uh, but he's much like relying on his actual defense. If if you put Patrick Sertain on like the Washington football team, where he gets to play behind a really good front seven, you're never going to worry about him because he trusts his front and his front will do his job. Um, but if you're the Dallas Cowboys and draft Patrick Sertain and you're just saying, hey, we're drafting the Alabama cornerback this year. Like, that's what I get the feeling from anytime Jerry Jones does something. He's like, we're going to get the Oklahoma wide receiver. We're going to get the Alabama cornerback. It's like, he doesn't actually know who it is. He just knows team, good. And it's like, okay. Um, so, you know, hey, maybe he's asked to do too much in a spot and he's got some bust potential. Uh, I think he's really good, though. I think no matter what, you're getting a solid corner from uh patrick Sertain. next up um so the georgia uh, cornerbacks don't really talk about much you know eric stokes everyone loves uh but i really like tyson campbell i i you know some people remember him more because he got burned by jalen waddle for like a 70 yard bomb and that's tough that's tough that happens to good cornerbacks sometimes they just get beat uh and if that's going to make him fall down the draft boards, somebody's going to win with his pick. Uh, see a lot of Casey Hayward with him. Just an all-around good cornerback, uh, long arms, athletic, good speed, great coverage. It's Tyson Campbell. And yet, he's the 10th cornerback in this class. Gotta like that. And then Melifonwu joins my not applicable in terms of, you know, with Jeremiah Wusu koromoa uh, and, uh, oh, who was the other NA prospect? Oh, and, uh, you know, when we're, when we're talking team compare or player comparisons, uh, in just that there is no guy that you can compare him to it's an NA next to his name because, oh, and Alan McNeil, uh, there's nothing there. There's, there's no other version of, uh, Ify Melifonu. Like 
is he Richard Sherman? Like that's that's the vibe I get from him. Uh, but he's big. He's huge. He's bigger than Richard. Sherman. And Richard Sherman's a big cornerback. He's big. He's Jalen Ramsey's size. Um, but like, you know, I can't call him Jalen Ramsey. So he's one of those freaks that I'm I'm really gonna love in this class. Um, the all Jake team going with and you can probably figure it out it's melifonwu samuel and horn are my three cornerbacks i'm playing melifonwu and horn on the outside and i'm playing samuel on the inside and he can cover guys if they go out uh that with that defense i'm i'm fucking stoked i'm pumped i love all three of those guys for any defense that you need uh the one reservation i have is 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 samuel you know is he going to be too small and melifonwu uh, you know, is he better to be in a zone than he is to be like left on an island? But I really think, come when it comes down to it, he's going to be a, a fine on an island. He, he's got it all. Okay, the safety class, uh, safeties. Uh, you know, I actually have this class as like as a C. Um, I don't. I think it's average. There's only one first round pick. And then there's a bunch of guys I like on day two, and there's a couple guys I like on day three. So to me, that feels average. Um, which you know, it's it's funny. I'm looking back. Cornerback A plus. Linebacker C plus. Edge B. D tackle C. O line B. Wide receiver A. Tight end C. Running back C minus. Quarterback B plus. So I didn't give out any D's. I I just love the draft too much to really shit on these on these guys. But I could have given tight end a D and just moved Kyle Pitts to uh to wide receiver. That would have been fun. Um, all right, my number one safety is Trevon Morig out of TCU. I'm a big Trevon Morig fan. I think he just does everything right. He's a good tackler. He doesn't get burned. He's always in the right spot. Um, and just like he's just a very dependable, good football player. Uh, and he's your number one safety because there really is no big time Earl Thomas or Ed Reed in this class. Uh, number two is Javon Holland out of Oregon. Versatile. He can play cornerback. Uh, he can play free safety. I really like his versatility. I think he was part of a really good defense at Oregon. A um, lot of things to like uh, with Javon Holland. And I think he's a guy you can take in round two and just be pretty happy that he's a starter day one. Uh this safety class, you know, looking compared to last year's, like, wow, I really loved some of these guys in last year's class. This year, not not a whole lot to love. I love Trevin Morig, and I love one of these guys coming up. But outside of that, not not a lot to love. That's why I'm giving this one. Did I give it a C minus? I'm giving it a C minus, just the same as the running back class. Okay, uh, number three is Jamar Johnson from Indiana. Jamar Johnson was pretty good. Like he's a pretty good football player, and maybe it's the name. You know, I'm not even going to get into that right now. But I like Jamar Johnson, and I think he does a lot that you like. Like, he steps up in the box. He gets after the quarterback pretty well. Uh, he gets his hands on the ball. He's a pretty good, like, uh, defender of, like, you know, of, of wide receivers. Uh, and I think he's one of the few safeties in this class like, that are starters. Uh, number four, another crush of mine is Hamsa Nasiruddin from Florida State. Uh, great length. Great athlete. Uh, he's got to put it all together, though, because he has flashes of great and then flashes of crap. Uh, but I really like his upside. And number five for me is Richie Grant. I actually got to watch. I got to admit, I got to watch more on Richie Grant. 
Um, I, I saw like enough tape on him to be like, okay, he's good, but it's small school good. It's UCF good. So, uh, you know, you, how does that really compare to the NFL, especially at DB where you're like, oh, you got to be careful because if he's not covering, if he's not being asked to, uh, you know, like cover like, you know, D1 guy or not D1, but like SEC guys, you know, there's a little cause for concern. That's why like a lot of my cornerbacks that I really like, you know, you're, you're from Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Florida State, Virginia Tech, you know, Northwestern. Uh, like, like these are guys that, you know, uh, Syracuse, they, they played ACC, SEC schedules. So, you know, the, the safeties, a lot of, you know, the safeties that end up being good in the NFL, they're either the big time, you know, elite prospects that you were you know told about your whole life, or they're guys that like, weren't given a chance that really had to work their asses off. And maybe that's Richie Grant, uh, but he's pretty good. I just want to watch more tape on him. So, all right. Now. Day one, I don't think any of these guys go. Day two, you're going to have all five of those guys go on day two, as well as a Darius Stewart who's got all the things you want in a good safety, but he's 5'9". Uh, there's Andre Sisco, who used to be a first-round draft pick, but after getting burnt a couple times this year, getting caught looking in the backfield or peeking on wide receivers' routes, uh, he got burnt, and you can't do that at safety he falls down into round three. I still really like Andre Cisco, but you know that's why I fell. And then you have Sean Wade, who look if he came out a year ago, he's a he's probably a first round pick slot cornerback. He was asked to play the boundary, and he had a horrible, horrible season. Uh, even though it was only six games, uh, he fell from being a top twenty pick to you know possibly being a top one hundred pick. Uh, but there's something in there because you've seen him be good. You've seen him cover the slot. You've seen him get his hands on the ball and get after the quarterback. It's almost like something like something clicked in his brain that made him so paranoid after he got ejected for hitting uh, Trevin, uh, Trevor Lawrence, which was one of the biggest bullshit calls I've ever seen. Maybe it was the right call, but it's one of the worst calls I've ever seen. You know, Even if it's the rule, I don't care. It, it's awful. Um, but he was ejected in the college football semifinal uh, in uh, the you know January 2020, or I guess like New Year's Eve 2020, whatever. But there's something to like about Sean Wade. Is my point. There's a lot to like about Sean Wade. If you find him in the right spot, you you like like a lot of these safeties, like Hamza Nasir Dean, where like you kind of want him to be your rover safety, um, like a couple of these guys that I'm going to mention for day three. And like a Darius Stewart, where you're like, he's a small safety, but if you're going to be playing him in the slot, you know, he's the type of guy that it works. Sean Wade, I think something works for him. You just got to find it. Um, day three, two safeties I really like Taylor Hufanga from USC and Divine Diablo from VTech. First of all, amazing name. Like, winner of the best name in the draft award goes to Divine Diablo from uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, Hufanga. I, a lot, I see a lot of people pushing him to the Browns. I just don't think the Browns have a time to draft safety right now. You know, they have a pretty complete safety room if everyone's healthy. Uh, and we have other pressing needs. But he's that type that's like he could be that rover. He could be what you get from uh, Harrison uh, in, in the NFL. So I like that. Um, he is my sleeper in this class. 
I think he's just not getting a lot of talk about, and I don't see why he can't be one of these round two guys where he steps up in the box, he's a playmaker on the ball, but he is also like really physical, and I think that's going to help him out because he's going to be asked to cover tight ends. He's going to be asked to cover these running backs, and he has the speed to do it, but he has the physicality to really lay them out, and I, I like it. He has that toughness that you want. So I, I like Hafanga. I think he's going to surprise some people and be an instant impact player taken in round four. Um, my bust in this draft, you know, it's tough. I, I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm not really sure how they work out and what it's going to be. But I'm going to say it's either Cisco or Wade. Um, I'm not going to say it's technically, you know, Sean Wade because it's like he's already basically busted out of being a first rounder. So he's not going to be drafted high enough. I will say it's Andre Cisco, though. If somebody pushes him up and he gets burnt, like, you know, he could be on a lot of posters basically as being a guy that was burnt because if you can't coach that out of somebody, it's a tough habit to break where he's caught peeking into the backfield where he's caught looking at things. Good NFL quarterbacks, they know how to beat that, and that's a problem. So you got to be careful if you're Andre Cisco. I really like him, but got to keep your eye on it. Okay, a couple comparisons before we finish this two-and-a-half-hour podcast. Um, the sleeper, or no, I'm sorry, the comparisons, uh, Trevon Morig, I see Jordan Poyer. I see Jordan Poyer. He's a good tackler. He's good in coverage. He doesn't fuck up. Like, that's what you get. When the ball is thrown to him, he catches it. When the running back is right in front of him, he tackles him. He's not going to, like, get a lot of splash plays, but he does make the play. And I think there's something to be said about that because the Browns let Jordan Poyer go, and he goes to Buffalo, and they say, just don't mess up. We're going to have you on the field every play. Uh, when you have to cover a guy, cover him. When you have to tackle a guy, tackle him. And I think uh, Trevon Moore is going to do that pretty well. Hampson Desiroldin, uh, he's Derwin James light. Uh, he's not the same player that Derwin James is, but you know he has the same helmet and he's built in the same mold. I think he has a little bit of versatility. I'm not going to put him out at cornerback, but am I going to line him up at weak side linebacker sometimes? Line him up right over the tight end? Am I going to have him blitz? Am I going to have him play deep safety? Yeah, I'm going to have him do all those things. And, you know, maybe he doesn't do it as consistently as Derwin does, but there's a lot to like there. And, like, you, if he falls into the right hands, he's going to be really good. Okay, and my uh, last comparison of the podcast is Divine Diablo. Uh, I mean, look, he comes from Cam Can- Cam Chancellor's like protege, basically. And I know it's funny because I've picked a lot of guys that are like similar schools and and stuff. And I know Virginia Tech's done this though. Virginia Tech has taken these like linebacker safety hybrids and really found like a niche of having them. And it started with Cam Chancellor. And Divine Diablo is the one that's coming up now. I think he's not going to be your starting linebacker. He's going to be a, a safety, but he plays close to the line of scrimmage and he gives you fits and problems. Uh, if you like Jeremiah Wusukormo and you're not going to get him because he's going top 20, but you want that same type of defender, maybe he's not going to start right away, but Divine Diablo is a guy, you probably draft him in round four or five. And be pretty happy about it. Uh, the all Jake team at safety is Trevin Morig, Hobson Nasir Dean, and Divine Diablo. 
completing the D-backs with Asante Samuel, Afitu Melifanu, and J.C. Horn. Uh, in front of them is Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. And then on the D-line, you have Milton Williams, Davian Nixon on the outside with uh, uh, Peyton Turner, Greg Rousseau on the uh, on the outside. Sorry, those other ones are on the inside. And Al McNeil and Ojolari are the backups. On offense, quarterback is Justin Fields. The running back is Trey Sermon. Uh, you have Kyle Pitts at tight end. Uh, you have Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Jalen Darden, Deami Brown at wide receiver. And then on offensive line, you have Panay Sewell, Aaron Banks, Rashawn Slater, Elijah Veritaka, and Alaric Jackson. Guys, I've had a blast doing this podcast. It's my favorite one of the year. My part two is going to be next week. We're not doing player breakdowns, but we're going to do actual team breakdowns. We're going to talk about what team needs to do what. We're going to answer some email questions. I might have a guest on. Maybe the, maybe the guest isn't until next week. We're talking about some prop bets going to cover out the rest of the draft after player evals but these are my player evals i'm done with them for now i'm done with them for the season i had so much fun i love this draft i love you all thank you for listening to the jake podcast enjoy episode 117 and i'll be back i'll be back